Greetings listeners and welcome to another episode of Laps Gamer Radio, an occasional but we hope enthusiastic community podcast about the hobby of gaming where folk interested in getting back into playing games again can hook up with like-minded people who are more active in the pastime in an effort to reinforce the pleasure we can all take in the wonderful medium of video games. So relax and enjoy. This is the tuned in section of the Laps Game Radio Show where, you know, a few of the team members get an opportunity to touch base with one another and, you know, share experiences and anecdotes of what we've been playing recently or any kind of news stories that have, have captured our interest in, and generally just tuned us back into the hobby of video games. So I'm joined today by Mark H and Andy P and uh, I guess it would be remiss of us as gamers not to at least acknowledge the sad passing, you know, of a very instrumental figure in the games industry. So Mark, I don't know if you want to sort of just say a few words uh, in recognition of that. People knew that uh, Satoru Iwata had had health issues for a while. You know, he he made appearances in um, uh, Nintendo, you know, press releases as recently as E3 this year. So it did come as uh, quite a bit of a shock, especially as he was he was such a a likable guy, a president of a games company who actually had experience in programming uh, on a level that's just incredible when you hear some of the stories of what he managed to do coming in at the last minute to help fix uh, Super Smash Bros. Brawl to make sure that it would go out on release, managing to compress or come which Pokemon release it was to manage to fit two entire regions into it instead of just the one, and then um, going on uh, to become the president of, of Nintendo and being a very personable, affable sort of guy, appearing in hilarious videos. Like uh, one of the funniest things I've seen in games promotion in years was the um, I think it was E3 last year, the uh, Smash Brothers video he did with uh, with Reggie, where they were facing off against each other in a Smash Brothers. That, that and and the puppet stuff from this year, he just seemed like such a nice guy, and he he had such a huge impact on on Nintendo. He was instrumental in the development of the of the DS, the Nintendo Wii, arguably two of their most successful consoles. And a guy, I mean, he took a fifty percent pay cut following. Uh, that is something that uh, that seems to be not that rare in Japan. But still, for uh, the president of a company to take a massive pay cut when the company's not performing that well is just so alien to us. It'll be a sad sad loss. Uh, have you guys got anything to say about him? Uh, well, just on the, my own part, it's obviously just a tragic loss. You know, and I'm condoning to his family and his, his friends I mean I don't really know an awful lot about the the industry and kind of business side of games but I can't fail to obviously acknowledge the impact he's had on the gaming environment particularly like you're saying the fact that he kind of oversaw uh, sort of Nintendo's return to dominance and the whole mainstream I guess embrace of gaming that we're still kind of living through now and like you were saying I didn't I didn't realize that it taken a pay cut in light of the uh, sort of diminished returns then for sort of the 3ds and the Wii U compared to like the fact that they you know obviously they they had financially made such a lot of money based on the success of the DS and the Wii and you know that's what the, the success of those platforms it was almost impossible to to equal and the fact that he kind of took that on himself as a, a personal responsibility to Harvey's salary is uh, quite remarkable but yeah I mean it's always hard because I don't think you ever know really how to comment when a public figure like this does pass away but it has been I think um, although so soon after a tragic event you don't want to often pass comment but I would just say like seeing the outpouring of sort of celebrating of his life and his achievements and what he's done in the industry has been you know really touching even for like a casual observer like myself it seems to be quite common in Nintendo as well though their executives seem to be very likable people um, every, most of the people who are high up in, in Nintendo seem 
to have a genuine enthusiasm for games rather than running a business. And he, he was no different. Uh, Andy, did you want to add anything? Yeah, it's just like what uh, Mark said. It's just the idea that he always put games and gaming first rather than the business as such. Um, it's about the outpourings of support. It's just the whole industry, isn't it? You've got the Sony, Microsoft, bots, head bosses, you know, tweeting out their condolences and everything. It just had a massive impact across the whole industry. Um, honourable but funny. I just, like I said, it had a sense of humour. The puppets this year at E3 were really funny. He turned around the 3DS, you know. It will be a massive loss, hopefully. You know, his legacy and that idea of fun in video games that that's Nintendo is famous for will continue. Yeah, I think, you know, very well said. And although, of course, we'd never be able to do uh, the man justice in the few kind of comments that we've been able to give um it was nice to be able to at least kind of, kind of mark it with you know with the respect that we all we all feel and and uh, you know uh, th- there's no kind of easy way to transition from something so serious and so kind of uh tragic to something so light-hearted as games but i guess you know at least you know his passion for games even though sometimes i wasn't always able to uh i don't think he had like the, the most masterful uh <laughs> um grasp of english necessarily in some of the nintendo directs and i know that he it, sometimes he was the butt of a joke but because of that I still respect him for you know everything that he achieved and also the fact that he still um you know wanted to helm those even after he come back um from what we then thought would have was successful you know hospitalization he came back and you know took again the the, the presenter role on the, the Nintendo Directs and regardless of any kind of communication difficulties the passion that he had for games was always very apparent so you know let, let's turn our attention to games now and uh, you know guys how has your progress been then since like kind of we've launched let's game a radio are you uh i mean obviously i know that you're probably more some of the more active members of the team but have you been been able to keep that ticking along in the recent weeks mark uh, yeah, uh, I've been playing quite a lot recently because I have had my addiction to Destiny broken. <laughs> <laughs> On the, la- the last episode, I talked quite a bit about the latest Destiny expansion and then the news about the, the Destiny expansion that's coming in September, um, the, the big one, uh, The Taken King. Uh, since then, there's been a lot of information that's come out and most of it's not been good. They were releasing a special edition of the game, which came with some digital trinkets, which people who were as passionate about it as, as I was... The, the sort of things you want. The only way you could get them was buying the special edition, which included the vanilla game and the first two expansion packs that you'd already bought. And then lead designer Luke Smith had a disastrous interview with Eurogamer where he he said, well, if I loaded up that these are emotes, then you just throw money at the screen. And that infuriated the community. And then there were lots of mixed messages about pricing. There is the fact that the expansion is $40, which is about the right price in America, but it's also £40. Yeah, doesn't that kind of lack of... Um conversion of currencies happen a lot though with video games i mean that that, that tends to always be the case Um, if there's a figure no matter what it is in um, a particular currency it always just equates to like pounds over here so if a game was twenty dollars would it be twenty pounds over here or you know or has that been changing then no i mean uh usually with activision like uh, as far as my knowledge goes i'm not the biggest call of duty fan but the, the call of duty expansions are what would usually cost about the twenty dollars would be 15 right quid. so they do take that into um, cons- in consideration there, they right? usually yeah. take it into consideration and they haven't with this oh, i don't know how they can justify charging 40 pounds for an expansion to a game which critics have said was quite 
empty anyway. Uh, a week after Metal Gear Solid 5 and Mad Max come out, two games that are looking to be pretty expansive and both are going to cost 40 quid. You can't charge that for an expansion pack unless it is like a blizzard level of expansion pack you know it's something big um and i just can't see there being enough in the taken king to justify that and that combined with i had one disastrous weekend where every single event we tried to get involved in ended in disaster and i put the game down and i suddenly discovered i got all these other games that i'd been neglecting and they're all really good sorry yeah yeah it was yeah definitely yeah. like uh, once destiny had broken its hold on me i was like oh my god i've had the witcher sitting here and, and then rocket league came out and have either of you guys played rocket league yeah yeah, this is when I'm gonna, you know, turn green with envy because I know that um, quite a few of the, the guys have been playing that. But I, as I say, I don't own a PS4, so sadly that was uh, one I had to miss out on. But it sounds fantastic, like just in the kind of um, the premise, isn't it? Like a mixture of Cars and FIFA or something like that. It's kind of like like an old demolition derby sort of game in the way that it controls. But then it's like that combined with like the purest version of football. <laughs> like there's no no halves or anything like that. Like no offsides, free kicks, penalties. None of that. There's just two goals on a ball and utter chaos until the ball goes into one of the nets <laughs> it's it's bonkers there's already people who are managing to find that like if you get to grips with the physics you can pull off some ridiculously skillful shots and um, mind-bending last-minute saves and whatnot, and whatnot that's damn good fun um, I played a little bit of Batman Arkham Knight I'm not enjoying that as much as Arkham Asylum, the same with Arkham City. I didn't enjoy that quite as much as Arkham Asylum, but it's still a very, very good game. And finally, I dipped into uh, Borderlands 2 again. I managed to get a cheap copy of the, the Handsome Collection on PS4. It's just compounded my current disappointment with Destiny, just remembering how much is in Borderlands 2. Just Borderlands 2 alone, I haven't even touched the pre-sequel, but Borderlands 2 is massive. Like unbelievably massive, how much there is in there, and I managed to pick it up for twenty quid. So yeah, yeah no, sadly that's a, another one of a long list of titles that I kind of purchased and then have never ever like I barely touched it. I got a Borderlands Two on Steam, but and I was going to play through it, and um, you know because you can play through the whole co-op, can't you? Uh, the whole campaign, sorry, co-op. And I think we did like the first couple of missions or whatever, and then I've just never gone back to it. It's just like, on the par with everything else. Going back to what's the car football game again called? Ah, uh, Rocket League. Yeah, so how how many players per side like what's the maximum number of people involved in multiplayer that you can do it's uh, up to four people per, per side you can play 1v1 2v2 so and up to 4v4 we haven't managed to set it up so we've got like four people uh, against another four people all in the same party because so i don't know what the maximum number of people you can have in a in a, a playstation party is but i think it's at least eight but i've just teamed up with th with three friends online a couple of times uh, uh, to play it and it's it's utterly bonkers but so much fun. You remember when you were a youngster, about eight years old, playing football in the back in the street or in the school playground, and everyone just runs after the ball. This is what it's like. You've got up to eight cars just running after this ball, and just crashing into each other, crashing into the wall, jumping. It is absolutely manic. It is brilliant. It is a lot of fun. Can you um, can the damage that you know the car sustain get to a point where you're out then or anything like that? They they, they always stay operational, do they? No matter how much they've a beating they've taken. Yeah, you don't take any damage except for if you. Um, so when you're driving around, there's like little points on the pitch where there there's like power ups uh, for your boost. You keep picking up, and then there's a few dotted around that will max out your boost, and then you just press the circle button to accelerate. And if you hold boost long enough, then you go really fast. And if you hit an opposition car, then they'll just blow up 
and then they'll respawn a few seconds later. But for those few seconds, they're out of the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, it's, it's so incredibly pure. That's it. There's just the cars, there's a pitch in which you can drive up the walls or along the ceiling for a short while. You can jump and barrel roll and flip in the air uh, and you can boost and that's it that's all it is that's all it needs really i think if they tried to put in like mario kart style power-ups it would just be too much but it's already been um admitted into the the, the esl esports <laughs> so um there could be some big tournaments soon <laughs> it sounds like a great um a great uh, coup in terms of it being yeah. sort of free straight away on PS Plus. That's uh, you know, it's one it's one of those titles that um, I mean I, I'm always thinking PS Plus is great value anyway. But I know obviously a lot of people was dismissive uh, of that particular subscription service. But it does seem to be a title that, from what I've seen, most people have really been sort of warmly embracing it. There's been very little criticism of that being a title on the free games or free games in inverted commas that are out. This yeah, and this one's had like a, a crazy attach rate. Like um, it's cross PC and PS4 the service so I don't know when I, when you look at how many people are online you don't know how many of those are on PS4 but I imagine it'd be the majority of them. Like I've gone on some nights and there'll be like 80,000 people online which is like Call of Duty numbers. Yeah, I think I was on the other night it was like 137,000 I was like what? Um... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been it's like such a huge it's like I don't know how much money um, the developers get for putting a game up on PS Plus but even if they're not making that much money like they've got there's so much exposure for them now if they wanted to do DLC in the future yeah, or yeah. another like an updated version of Rocket League it would sell like crazy because yeah. everybody's loving it. Also ideal as well it's five of the games on the matches are five minutes long so you can just, you can just log on yeah. quickly five minutes a couple of games and you're off again you know that's why I'm got just before I go to bed I'm on about two or three games and then just head off to bed it is that fast and there's no real time delay you know and especially the start you know, you start market everyone just goes to the ball doesn't it? yeah yeah um we had to like we played a game last night where one guy on the other team just would stay in goal for the whole match and it made it almost impossible to score because he was really good so we started doing the same yeah. thing we just like everybody rushed forward apart from one person he'd sit in goal it's an easy platinum as well if you're a, a, a trophy hunter i mean the game's been out for less than two weeks and i've got eight trophies left to get no seven trophies left to get that's it out of the 30 odd that's in it and the, the ones that like most of them are really easy to get okay um, andy have you been playing anything else apart from that one um yeah a couple of other games first of all lego harry potter years five to seven continuing making like epic quest for the <laughs> lego games <laughs> first one i played was that lego star wars and ever since then i've just been playing from all indie indie 2 first harry potter i think it was lego pirates and i've I've got this thing like after 100%. Wow, that's that's some time investment. <laughs> and, but I mean, I'm, that must be quite a fascinating way to do it if you're doing it either in particular series, like franchise series, or you're doing it in terms of chronology of release. Because, you know, although I think sometimes the games are criticised as being very similar to one another, there is there is a definite clear um, sort of a development in terms of the content of the games. I mean, I can remember one of the big jumps was moving to just the Lego Batman game, like the very first one that felt very different in terms of the, the gameplay because it wasn't necessarily fit following a particular film and they had put like all this kind of different suits for the characters to have and I, I know that put off some people but that that seemed to be a sort of benchmark in that particular series of games have you have you noticed that like have you when you've gone from one franchise to another like the different kind of mechanics that have come into play in general the same mechanic is the same going around bashing bricks and whatever weapons they give you <laughs> yeah. in the case of harry potter it's wands the bashing bricks with wands um, the last one i played before this was the lego 
Lego Star Wars 3. And they're giving you a bit of strategy, actually, a bit of RTS, which is a bit of a change. So you can build in little, little weapons, little transports, and to fight in the Clone Wars as such. But the difference in Lego Harry Potter is you're in Hogwarts itself, so it's a large hub. You sort of follow around the hub, the story, rather than, for example, the first Lego Star Wars, where you're in the hub and the levels were next to each other. You sort of, yeah, you yeah. Sort of take you around throughout Hogwarts, go to different classrooms, and you go to Hogsmeade. You go all everywhere. Um, one of the changes they've made is the wizard battles. You'll get into these wizard battles, you fight one of the bosses as, as such, and you'll have to... It, you're in a circle. Your half of the circle will show what spell you're using. So if you're using yellow or red, it'll show yellow or red. And the other side, the bad guy will, will show red or yellow what spell they're going to use to attack you. And you have to make sure that you've matching the same colour as the bad guy to score a hit on him, basically. So that's a bit of a change-up. So, yeah, they, they, they have changed in that sense. You know, I just was bashing bricks, basically, and I love Lego, so... <laughs> <laughs> It's a winning combination. It's, I mean, how many games have they had now that have been almost identical in their formula and yet they're still fun and yeah. they still sell incredibly well? They just got, like, they're so charming. I know that word's overused, but the, the, the Lego games are all really charming. I, I think the last one I played was, um, the Lego game of the Lego movie. Yeah. yeah. And I absolutely, that was one of my favorite yeah, films. Yeah, no, what, that uh, was, that was my favorite film of last yeah. year. Yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think what you're, you know, you're saying the charming aspect, what I think is so eminently replayable about them is that they've got that immediate accessibility for like a casual game or a lapse game a lot myself but they've also got a level of challenge so like you know Andy you're you know an experienced gamer and you you like to 100% them so it's the same title but it's appealing to two probably you know different audiences in the sense that they've, they've got the depth there if you if you want to go back is it like in the free play mode and getting all the particular kind of blocks and unlocking all the particular characters or you can just play through like the, the chapter segments as it were to sort of just finish the story mode because that I mean in terms of achievements I remember uh, I think Lego Batman 2 was one of the last ones I'd played and even though I had kind of finished the campaign as it were in terms of achievements or unlockables in the game it was like just a fraction of the content that was on there yeah that's what they always give you loads I mean like I play through the story with my brother so we do that co-op and then he doesn't want to do the whole thing I just, I just take it upon myself and do the whole thing but looking at it I've put in about 18 hours into this one so far but I do remember Lego Star Wars 1 and 2 I think it totally came to about 50 hours and, that, and you get, you're going to get to between 20 to 25 hours per game so you do get a lot of content for your book um, the other game has been Dragon's Crown on the PS3. Have any of you played that? I played a chunk of it on the Vita. I think that was on PS Plus at some point. Yeah, I think I don't think it was. Um, if, if memory serves, it wasn't like one of those cross buy ones. So I think a uh, version was on no. PS Plus, but I'm not sure whether it was the console or the handheld. I actually picked it up for Vita uh, myself, like when it was. Uh, not on PS Plus but when it was like on a sale but again that's just yeah. on the pile to get to it. <laughs> so I, I haven't quite managed it yet but I mean it is like a side-scrolling beat-em-up but with like RPG sort of progression elements is that yeah right? that's right so it is side-scrolling the graphics are really amazing you know the character exaggerated very much so both the men and the women yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the characters are very much exaggerated it is like Golden Axe a modern day Golden Axe you'd say so the problem, you go through it, 
once um, the first like six, seven levels, and you're grinding up, you're leveling up, and you're defeating the end of level bosses, going back to town, and then all of a sudden more bosses turn up, and they're like high, really high levels. So I'm finding myself at the moment with my brother, we're having to grind a lot, and instead of going off doing new levels to come back to the uh, newer bosses, you're having to go over the old levels over and over again, so get yourself up to a certain level so that you can actually take on these bosses and defeat them so that's that's a bit of a grind at the moment but also there's certain things i don't know decisions that they made but they've um i don't know what, why they took these decisions so for example little side quests if you're only a party two of you and you'll go see something called the guild and the guild master he's got new quests available so me i've been playing as a dwarf we'll go into the guild click for new quests so i want to do that accepted well done but then when i come out it's, it doesn't affect the whole party so my brother has to go to the guild with his little elven character accept the same quest i've accepted and then come out of it and the same applies when you get in the rewards you both have to go in at different points it just adds to that sense of taking time like grind yeah i mean what is this is this local uh couch cult you're doing or is it uh online just couch, cult just couch just next right. it's just, yeah okay. it, it's just that type of design decision where they've made certain things of rpgs really long long-winded you know so if you play other rpgs your whole party takes the whole quest this one it seems to be like no you have to go in accept that quest come out you go in, accept the quest, you come out. It's just getting to be a bit long-winded. But the graphics are amazing. I tell you what, half the time, I don't know what's going on. But it's so much action. So you do these spells and all sorts, and you got you can get some of these um, members of your party, AI-controlled, and they're there. They're doing all these spells, and you're just like, what the hell is going on? But you can see something's happening because numbers are appearing, like you're hitting these creatures. It is a really good game if you can pick up cheap. It is worth it. On the Vita... Because of the size of the graphics, I don't know how does that work. I mean, it is so much action going on sometimes. It's just like, wow. It, it works. Um, for some reason, the Vita works very well for uh, that sort of game. I mean, the Vita is my favorite platform to play games like uh, Hotline Miami on. And uh, for, I didn't play a huge amount of, of Dragon's Crown, but what I played, it, it played fine. It's a good fun game. I, I just got distracted by other things and, yeah. and uh, never went back to it. And uh, eventually I had to, to uninstall it to make space for something, yeah, something else. That's this right. Is problem, <laughs> uh, exactly yeah, this is the problem with PS Plus on the Vita, especially on the Vita. Is it, 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 they chuck so many really good little games on there that have got endless replayability. In, you're always uninstalling games that you haven't managed to finish because something new and shiny's come along. Like you were saying about backing up uh, one game off the Vita so you can get another one on. That's kind of similar to what I've done myself because I w- went back and played um, The Swapper. So I know that you had mentioned that on the previous episode in the context of its sort of sci-fi horror inc- inclined kind of like atmosphere and that. And um, um, yeah, I thought that was like a breathtaking game. I played um, The Fall that I know has just come to PS4 and possibly Vita, I'm not entirely sure, but I'd, I'd, I know it's been on Steam before that but I played it on the Wii U and uh, I thought that was fantastic and the, the swapper is kind of like uh, that would make like a great sort of sci-fi puzzle double bill but um, I think the swapper just takes the edge because A it's, it's, it's longer it's got kind of like more content but um, it's got w- one of those rare occasions of like a perfect difficulty curve so it's, it's um, the puzzles in itself are challenging to the point where yes some of the tricky ones you 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 generally are stumped and you're having to you know exercise 
some real kind of brain power to solve but they're not impossible so i haven't played portal 2 but that's just from like discourse on games that i've heard on other podcasts where when people talk about the challenge the level of challenge and satisfaction that you get through the puzzles that you know you don't want to look up the solution in the guide you want to be able to do it for yourself i think in some way i experienced something akin to that with the swapper i just thought it was so well done that you know how they introduce slightly more complex puzzles as you work your way through the game yeah portal's a good analogy as well because it's rare for a really good puzzle game to also have a really good story the swapper is is, the puzzles are some of them i mean i i haven't gotten too far through it but even at the point i've gotten to some of the puzzles seem just mind-bending at first uh until you you finally click and understand it but also the 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 storyline or what little it delivers to you it's intriguing very intriguing yeah i mean there's there is a great reveal uh later on in that game which obviously i won't spoil but it's it's one another one of these ones there it's almost like minimalist by design so it's open to interpretation but um you know just the whole kind of conceit itself of the fact that you can you know create these clones but they're not just necessarily clones of your body your kind of agency goes there and then it kind of like develops later on about possible kind of like dual identities being um, housed within one clone and things like that so yeah I mean it's definitely uh, inspired by kind of that kind of um, Descartesian literature and also like sci-fi themes but um, just the soundtrack in itself is just like a wonder to to listen to so I played that across PS3 and Vita because it's obviously got the cloud save uh, system Um, so I definitely would recommend that if you know people have got PS Plus and you know, it's the previous title on there that they've not quite managed to get to it yet because, uh, you know, that that was really, really rewarding. Have you played that to one? No, 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 I had time. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So I was interested. I was looking at the images and they look good. It doesn't sort of like alien-esque almost. I believe it, the, the actual art style itself is almost like clay, right. like it's claymation that they've they've been able to do it in. I mean, like obviously really kind of painstaking animation and things, but um, just like the mechanics itself are just fascinating, you know, how it plays with kind of like gravity and then you get these um th- these different kind of colored lights that affect the swapper device that you've got which is almost like a gun that allows you to shoot a clone into like a, a different space so like you'd be able to if there was like a really deep chasm that you couldn't kind of like get to the bottom of you'd be able to slowly create many clones of yourself so that you're seeing a chain so that the very last one would just touch the ground very gently and survive whereas obviously the previous ones that you created would just crash to their death on the floor um so yeah it's it's i think like you were saying mark it's got like um although it's not like a visceral horror game in any way it's definitely got like this ambience of unease that um that keeps you on edge and you feel like you're being pursued or watched but then obviously you're it's like a leisurely paced game because you're having to think through trial and error to, to solve the puzzles but um yeah no it's brilliant if you and again anyone who's played the swapper but they haven't played the full although it's uh you know it's it's, it's different it, that has got a really really engaging story about like ai and uh you know the, the whole classic sci-fi trope of what it is to be human um so yeah definitely ch- check the fallout if, if you haven't done so although i was playing that predominantly on handheld on the vita because i've been away on holiday like i took my uh, ds as well because i still play so many games on that because that's the thing about not being very um productive with your gaming you've got such a a backlog of games that go across uh, what would be archaic systems now so I, I finally completed Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney that's a game that I I thought I'd completed because I've gone back and replayed through the the first few cases of that game so many times but on this occasion I finally you know stuck it through from beginning to end 
and they've obviously added on like that extra case. I just didn't have any memory of that. Have you? Have either of you played the no, Phoenix Wright's no, games no. on DS? I've played a couple. Yeah, I really like what I played. I just uh, I currently don't have a Nintendo platform. Oh at god, all. that's 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 tragic. I think you're the same, aren't you, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's something I need. I'm going to rectify soon. I'm going to I'm going to take the plunge and get it. Yeah, well, the the um the Phoenix Wright games I think are available on iOS. I think they I think they did like a HD trilogy. I mean, you can get it on 3DS as well. They've done the same thing there. But I was playing it on car on the old DS Lite. But um, no, it's 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 great. I mean, it's 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 a known quantity and a successful series. But no, it's still very rewarding to play. Very funny. Um, more kind of like linear sort of puzzle uh, game but um, as well as completing that I played the second Professor Layton game so I was a massive fan of Professor Layton and the Curious Village but over time although I've collected all the games in the in the Layton franchise I haven't gone through and finished them all off so I played uh, Professor Layton and Pandora's Box it was known in I think North American territories as Diabolical Box as, <laughs> again I take it that neither of you have played any of these games nope. <laughs> <laughs> no I've I've never played a Professor Layton game unfortunately oh, I, I, I I just would say if there's ever an opportunity for you to do so, then 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 do it because they are brilliant in my opinion. They're like you know the best uh, puzzle games, or arguably the Professor Layton itself is like the best game that I've played on DS. I just love the the kind of marriage between the narrative really and the characters, and then obviously the the, the puzzle dynamic that yes is a bit arbitrary at times, but I think they do a really sterling job, like level five of. Um, of somehow getting the narrative and the puzzles to match up like there's there's some kind of like reason that you've gone around into an environment where everyone all they ever do is ask you puzzles and although it can be contrived and a little bit cheesy I, I do think the stories of the first two games the ones that I've finished um, they really kind of quite impactful like emotionally they're really quite resonant and well observed so yeah again I, w- I would really really highly recommend I think pr- I prefer the Professor Layton series to, to Phoenix Wright but obviously I'm aware they've had that crossover that I I want to I want to work my way through both uh, by chronological release so I can get to that crossover game that I think came out last year on the 3DS. It was like the Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright game. Oh yeah, I think I heard something about that. Yeah, see, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm uh, I need to pick up a, a Nintendo platform. I, I love Nintendo games. I I did have a 3DS until quite recently last year, uh, and then I just I sold it because I was playing my Vita all the time, so I didn't see the point in keeping it around, and I played all the games I wanted to play, and then the good games keep coming out for it so um i shouldn't have sold it really yeah i mean i, I think it is one of those scenarios where I'm, I'm lucky to have the luxury of both and of course like the indie games that are on the vita I, I, that's enough i think in itself for for ownership because of the just the convenience of playing it on a handheld system but it's, it's just that the nintendo have got that catalog of titles i mean it's a it's an, an age-old argument that you buy the nintendo system so you can play you know, like the first party games. I know Phoenix Wright was a was a Capcom game, and um, obviously Professor Layton is, but they but like that was published by Nintendo at least, and they are just you know ones that you can't. Layton in itself, I don't think that's ever appeared on any other um, platform. Right. So yeah, no, I, c- I couldn't imagine not, not being having to, having to access to those games. Well, I'm just kind of like obviously disappointed in myself that I think my wife's completed far more of them than I have. So I, I, I definitely need to catch up. <laughs> no alibi, no justice, no dream, no hope. It's time to pay for your crimes. 
Okay, so thank you, Mark and Andy. It's uh, been a pleasure to be able to catch up and kind of compare notes on our progress, uh, although a sad occasion, of course, with the death of water, um, but um, in very, you know, like a small uh, subjective way, it's great to know that we're all kind of like carrying on and, uh, you know, embracing games and uh, getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. We are going to have to act if we want to live in a different world. Welcome to this episode's Topic Tombola, a section where we put a certain aspect of gaming under the microscope. This time round, we'll be discussing strategy games. Well, about as much as we can, anyway. It's more of a coffee table than a round table, this episode. So, joining me, Kevin Moore, is my good friend, Lee Howard. Hiya, Kev. Pleased to be able to join you. Looking forward to... Uh, chatting with you as we're i guess we are the two most lapped <laughs> of <laughs> the team so it's good there's, there's a big empty gap where another person could have joined us behind the mic but uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're kind of like fumble our way through <laughs> yeah there's a gulf of knowledge that's out there that we know we're just not tapping tonight <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but w- I suppose what, what one good thing is uh, in our because our background, I assume from games from what we've discussed sort of offline is is similar in a sense that we did have like as long as as, as well as like having consoles such as for myself, it was things like the Sega Master System and the, and the Mega Drive and then the SNES. All the while, I was um, still kind of like cutting my teeth on things like the Amiga and then obviously PC and the genre that we're going to obviously be talking about today, strategy games, was like a, an immediate fit. Like I can just distinctly remember the mouse and keyboard were just another means for me to play games because that type was, you know, best at home on the PC. And it was uh, often that whilst I get like other fixes of gaming from the consoles, it was always be the PC for like the management games like Championship Manager, mm. which, you know, in a, in a sense is a strategy game. And then obviously some of the other games and the different types that we're going to be talking about shortly, you know, that's, that's, that's very much like looking back, I guess, to my formative gaming <laughs> years. Yeah, be careful you don't actually scare off the football fans by saying that it's actually a, a real-time strategy game or anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> they might think again about Championship Manager 2016. <laughs> well, it's all football manager now, isn't it? True, I think. Yeah. I mean, I gave up when it sort of changed over. <laughs> it, it ended up being like many things, like some strategy games that we'll probably talk about. It all became too much of a of a time sink. You know that that became like a, a prohibitive in its own way. Well, bizarrely, as you were f- tailing off, I was just getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> Strategy games tend to be split up into a few main subtypes. The biggest one being, of course, 4X games. They're a genre of strategy game where you play as a control an empire and explore, expand, exploit and exterminate. This is where you get the year 4X from. These, for the most part, tend to be turn-based. Such examples are Sid Meier's Civilization and Total War series. To be honest, I'd never heard like this was meant to be one of these uh, sub-genres. That, but, I mean, I know the games that they're referring to. It's like the ones where... Um, you often like control an empire don't you or you kind of like build up an army i always called them god games i never knew it was 4x yes yeah very much very much i'm gonna call it god games screw them (laughs) (laughs) and then i guess on the sort of flip side of that you know in my understanding there's like often two main camps when it comes to these sorts of strategy games you've either got turn-based or rts like real-time strategy so the kind of real-time strategy games are often where like the action's continuous and the players have to like make decisions uh, and their actions within like a backdrop of constantly 
you know, the, the battlefield will constantly change or you've got to have already built up and obtain resources in order to build like your infrastructure up and or your control center. And then you're often got like, uh, instead of like just building trees of different, uh, buildings and kind of armies you've also got like a tech tree and the more advanced you get you know the more other kind of like units you can um, build up so according to wikipedia and i would certainly agree with this because it was definitely a favorite of mine uh, the defining title for rts games was westwood studios june 2 and then they followed that with their seminal command and conquer games and then you've got other series that kind of followed on quickly uh, from like the mid 90s onwards such as total annihilation uh, Warcraft, you know, before it went Blizzard's game, before it went into World of Warcraft, and Starcraft, of course, as well as Age of Empires. Mm. They're some of the, like, the most popular RTS games, according to Wikipedia. Strange, I never even thought of them as RTS. It's one of those, you know, the Age of Empires things. I always imagine them as being god games. I've never actually played any of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I'm sure we'll touch on a few of these uh, later on, but it was very much for me that I kind of cut my teeth with civilization, as it were, because that was like turn based. And um, I don't know, it, I just think that I had, in many respects, it was such brilliant game design because I, it, it made you feel, um, although it had a vast amount of different options and kind of text and it really kind of educated you about a lot of different things, not just the game mechanics, but also like history and culture and the development of civilization itself. Yeah. Um, it felt incredibly, um, well led, like the, in terms of it, you really felt guided through it as you went along. And then having also previously played June 2 and just absolutely loved that world, that universe, that was like my introduction to, you know, the, the Frank Herbert lore mm. and mythos. I'd never read the novel or even seen the David Lynch film at that time. And uh, it was like getting to grips with that that gave me the confidence to go on to the more of your Age of Empires and your, and your Starcrafts, which are much more action-based in the sense that, you know, you build up your army and then you choose your moment to attack, but you're always under the threat of attack yourself. And I guess you could cheat and pause it and things like that. <laughs> Whereas in Civ, at least it was like, you know, you had your turn. You could get everything done in your own time, as it were, in turn base. whereas you don't always have that luxury in RTSs. Surely that means that Command & Conquer would also drop into RTS. Yes, yes. I can't remember. It's, it's long, so long since I've played that, because uh, I played that when it was on the PlayStation 1. Yeah, they did some, right terrible ports because it was like the holy grail wasn't it for a long time to get a console work it was yeah uh, version of an rts because i think <laughs> even starcraft and maybe even june 2 late in its cycle was actually ported over but i, I mean i never never touched them on the console <laughs> i don't think anybody else did either i didn't even know they were ported over <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, obviously more recently we've had the more kind of like multiplayer online based ones which i to be honest have got no experience of at all of you of you kev i have not i'm hardly <laughs> online <laughs> i only use a phone never mind anything else <laughs> that, that side of it i'm never going to be able to tackle i haven't got a pc that's actually up to that standard anyway i tend to just go for the um console based ones can you build a small settlement forgotten and forlorn into a wondrous and thriving city do you wish for the power of an entire army at your command? I suppose the first question we're going to ask ourselves are what are our own histories with this genre? We've already kind of mentioned a few, like June 2 definitely was like a massive one for myself. And I think a, a big part of that was the the attraction I felt for the fiction, like for the world that the story took place in. Mm. 
and it wasn't that I necessarily picked that game because of its genre, because it like it was a strategy type. I, I didn't know that at the time. It was more that that kind of veneer of a franchise or a property led me into it. And then it was like once I'd become accustomed with that style of game, that's when I, I gravitated towards some of the uh, the later games that came out, such as your you know your Command and Conquers and your your Age of Empires. Um, I think another way of putting it is like I can remember friends of mine wouldn't go near strategy games but then they brought out a star wars like it was literally a command and conquer game but it had the veneer of the star mm-hmm. wars franchise put over it i can't actually remember the name of that it might have been commander or something like that do you remember uh, this yes um i know that they've like revisited it like i think it is like an online one now only like so not, you know a lot of these games like age of empires and such have they've become like purely online multiplayer titles and i'm sure there is a star wars one that's that's popular yeah. in that going back i think one of the earliest games i actually played on the amiga was battle chess and again you know that's chess as a game itself is like the birth of strategy it's the oldest game in the world yeah i mean i, I really remember loving that game because at the time i found like the the crude kind of like animated um do you remember the monty python film where um i think it's holy grail where the knight gets hacked to pieces yeah. but he still continues <laughs> to fight on it, it was very much like in that <laughs> It's only a scratch <laughs> you know like where you take a piece and then they, it would cut to like this animated battle scene and like they'd have their limbs yeah. chopped off and things like that that was, that was absolutely glorious to be playing i can even remember playing that in school right up until you were expelled then for playing battle chess during maths <laughs> well no I, I think they were impressed actually that it was like you know computers were a, a rare luxury you'd get one per classroom and that's like not every classroom you know that would be that would just be like the one room mm. in the school that managed to have <laughs> the other ones that kind of spring to mind definitely like on the back of civilization because i think it was like i missed out on the first civ game but i definitely remember playing two three all the way up to four i mean i've got five here but that i've really kind of neglected that like my my kind of most recent prolonged game in laps pretty much started at the time i bought that game uh not that was merely coincidence nothing <laughs> wrong with the game itself but the <laughs> because of the success of Civ you got all of these other sort of empire building games so it had like Rise of em- no, Rise of Nations it was and Empire Earth and then Age of Empires mm. and then that kind of went into Age of Empires mythology like they're, they're the titles that I remember really really enjoying playing really completing though I must admit <laughs> it seemed to open the floodgates because there seemed to be a slew of these empire games at that particular point I mean you can look at the top 100 strategy games online and they're all PC based and they're all pretty much <laughs> like this now, my son, with my blessing, and decide your future. And uh, how about yourself? Like, what are the ones that, that you kind of remember fondly as your gaming education? Mule, which was on the Amiga 800, I think, about mid 80s. And that was great. That was a resource game where you uh, basically had Planetfall and you had to grab as many resources as you could. But it was a turn-based game against another person. Now, they've actually redone it so that you can actually play it on your iPhone, which is great. It's a really good app and it's a perfect replication of the 80s game. That's incredible. I did. I, did, I mean, that's... The, the, we, it might come up... We might you know, touch on it as we go on. It's that we're talking about games that... Or the genre was kind of birthed on pc or on amiga you know on personal computers whereas now 
it has, although it's still seen as niche or kind of off-putting to some, the strategy genre is completely mainstream, isn't it? Because it's, it's kind of diversified into mm. games that mix RPG or puzzle elements with strategy. You've got, obviously, the, the enormous popularity of tower defense games like Plants vs. Zombies. And yep. like you're mentioning, they've, they've kind of taken that old game and put it onto the iPhone. The iStore is full again of like games that, that are innately kind of indebted to the strategy genre i think is it field runners that was like a really popular one i mean that's again showing how out the loop i am i'm sure that was popular like three four years ago (laughs) there's there'll be another one now (laughs) well it's like the rise of XCOM. that seems to be one that's passed me by oh yeah of course yeah yeah that has passed me by yeah and everybody always recommends it and says you would love it and it's just a case of um i'm playing tropico at the moment <laughs> well that's another one actually yeah that i've never got into i mean when, when did that because i know they're on to um five they're yeah. on yeah that's right so wh- when when did that kind of originate when was that, was that like a peer of civilization or is it like a more m- recent sort of franchise it was certainly more recent than um civilization i think it goes back about don't quote me on this but i think it goes back about 10 or 11 years you know it's a lot later to the game but um the first two are only pc and then yeah three four and five have been on the xbox 360 and they've been really really good and very playable you know and this is where as you tail off playing them on the pc i've suddenly got back into them because suddenly you can actually play them on your console you know i mean i've tried command and conquer (laughs) just used to get my ass kicked and (laughs) gave up on that but picked them up again on the xbox 360 quite a long time ago now and i've stuck with every installment of tropico ever since and uh, they've been really good brilliant i mean yeah we're, we're sort of jumping ahead of ourselves because i think um, we've actually got a recommendation of another kind of console based uh, strategy game in, in halo war so i won't say too much more at this point but it is interesting because uh, th- there are these ones that have been deemed a success then because i can definitely remember um i think command and conquer three red alert was like trumpeted as like the one that's done it the one that somehow made the transition from pc to console and it worked yeah and i picked it up on both and i can remember not getting very far at all on console <laughs> I, I think i had it on ps3 and i just for me i just could not get my head around playing an rts with the you know the, is it the dual shock is that what the ps3 yeah, had's called yeah it is yeah um, i mean it's probably my like i'm to blame my limited gaming skills but i was just like thinking i just can't do this without a mouse so yeah i i, I i'm i yet to find unless it's like um a rarity like a tower defense game or something more akin to swords and soldiers which was on the wii originally um which is like a tower defense rts and actually the wii itself i think if any console was gonna gonna master the the transition of like a you know a, a, a true uh pc based like strategy game it would have been that machine and i think that they did have the rare gem like the anno series had an iteration on the wii which i remember controlling particularly well with the what you call it the wii mote i guess yeah like you know the point and click mechanics of it all but now other than that i i still i'd love to get back into these games i really would and uh, we'll probably touch on 
in a moment like some of the reasons why a lapsed gamer might be hesitant to do so but i think they can offer such a kind of like rewarding gaming experience so i'm really it's, it's certainly uh, pleasing to hear that it's not necessarily that you have to go back to the pc that there is more variety there mm. on the console scene that wasn't necessarily the case you know back in the day yeah i mean there's some cracking iterations now i mean civilization uh, revolution for instance oh of, of course it's fantastic. yeah no, you're right actually that's you're right yeah, yeah and that's a, again that's a real-time vacuum <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you that i completely forgot that yeah because that came out um not just on xbox 360 and ps3 that actually came out on the ds yep. and then has obviously gone on to ios now yeah, isn't it because yeah. they've got the sequel out yeah you're right that that's a that probably is in terms of my just gaming experience the, the best one that i've played that's it's made fantastic. that transition because the, the streamlined because it is like a simplified Civ game, yeah. but it works so well. Like I remember the DS one in particular because it didn't have like the graphical fidelity of the of the higher power consoles. It was more basic in that sense, but in a way that sped the game mm. up. That it made it feel even more immediate. So th- that was actually brilliant on DS. I'm, I'm not going to dig that out actually <laughs> after you finish the recording. There, you reminded me of it. <laughs> when they did do it, they've uh, basically started again and re- done it from ground up, so that you've got different controls so the ipad actually controls better than the 360 does um i didn't actually play it on the ps3 so i'm not sure but i can imagine them being similar controls but the ipad is really well suited to it and it'd be interesting to see what they do as far as if they do a sim city on it for instance yeah, you know yeah. how they'd be able to because again pull, that's another that big over. strategy franchise that's that's extremely popular with hmm. although it's that again that's that's a, a series that has been tried on various machines and consoles and handhelds it's like true home is still yeah. on the pc yeah it's yeah. it's never really left the pc that far behind does it they've tried and failed i think with everything else <laughs> There was another uh, management game that <laughs> seemed to come out on exactly the wrong day. It came out, I think, on uh, the same day as Call of Duty 4 was launched. <laughs> <laughs> so it just lost. <laughs> it was a game called A-Train HX. I think I was the only person in Doncaster to buy it. <laughs> and um, it, it took me about five years to finish playing it. Is this um, a, a console one again yeah. or a PC? Yeah, it's a console one, but it looks very, very PC. It's as if they've started making it for the PC and give up and just shifted it over to 360. <laughs> it's so, just a rail manager game. And I know this sounds really, really nerdy, but there's, <laughs> there's nothing better than worrying about your year-end taxes. <laughs> 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 so it's a it's a another in the mold of what uh sim city yeah in. it is yeah um yeah. obviously it's more centralized around the trains and how you organize your points <laughs> fantastic <laughs> right okay oh, that's one i'll have to look into yeah because I, I i'm sure you know the people listening to this as well are thinking god they've just because it's such a massive topic and we're trying to fit it into this <laughs> tiny yeah. little you know um I say mini round table but it's just the two of us but like, just this like really short conversation but you know please get in contact with us listeners and do highlight some of the gems that we're overlooking because I think we're both from a position where we have got a deep affinity for this particular genre of game but you know as lapsed gamers we, we've missed out on so much I would say particularly for myself in like the last five or probably even the last five to ten years you know it, it, within the genre to be honest yeah, and likewise me for the last 20 years 
So what are the pitfalls or potential barriers to lapsed gamers or less active casual gamers trying the strategy games? Yeah, well, I think obviously we've, we've touched on a few. I, I, for me, I think it's the, it's the t- assumed time investment. So mm. it's not necessarily that the games are an impossible length because, you know, as we've already talked about on previous shows, there are like so many supposedly great RPGs that take upwards of like 100 hours. And, you know, that in <laughs> itself is just an insurmountable climb for me at this moment in time but i think people would assume that when you play a strategy game that the you know you've got like kind of they're often based around individual missions aren't they or certain objectives and i think it's like the perceived length that they take like it's not a sort of quick burst game that you can pick up for five minutes and then if you're interrupted you can just you know it saves and you can just put it away and come back to it i think like that i'm sure that some of the games have got those mechanics in them but i guess just the generalization is that people feel like right it's one of those games where more akin to like a ball game i guess you've got to set yourself up in your in your chair in front of your pc (laughs) and you've got to have like you know dead silence in the house and you've got to have you know you 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 warm drink or maybe that's just me (laughs) that sounds fine you've got to have the headspace and the bottle of port i think it's like a mental block for myself that you know good since obviously we've we've started up the the podcast and started to gather a community together to motivate us to play more i'm finding that getting back to the pc although that was probably the first machine that i used the game on it's like the thing that's like so fulfills the most distance to me so like now if i'm going to play something i almost say that the handheld is like the platform that i find most accessible and easy so if there was a way for me to find like a strategy game on a handheld, like on the 3DS or a Vita, mm. I think that, you know, that that's where I'd be able to start dipping my toe back into it. And I feel like I'd have to almost build back up to sit in front of the PC just simply because of, you know, my domestic setup and my, like I was saying before, like my, the, my mentality of, oh no, like there's only, there's got to be like a, a, a protected bit of time, like a good two hour session if I'm going to try and start, you know, Starcraft <laughs> yeah. 2 again, for example. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing they seem like they'd be the perfect format to do it on you've got stuff like Final Fantasy which I suppose is the weird hybrid because it's turn-based combat so surely there's a bit of that leaks into that and they work perfect on those particular consoles yeah that's just a, one of the many franchises i've never got into i did try revenant wings on the ds yeah. which was um the art that which was like an rts mm. final fantasy game and i did enjoy it but again i just i just didn't stick with it so um yeah no i'm, I'm certainly keen to uh you know just try some of the games that i'm sure we're going to mention and the ones that we've done and kind of go back to but i think again it might be that people have a a perception that there's a lot of intricacies mm. and like a hard difficulty with these games that although the tutorial i guess th- th- would often be easier they've got quite a harsh learning curve that you end up having to be quite good at the game quite early on i mean i know that's yeah game specific i'm just trying to think generally what a lapsed gamer might not necessarily want to try a strategy game that could be a barrier to them it can be quite daunting as well especially if you get a pc based one because you'll open the box you'll have two or three discs and then you'll have a book that looks like it's been written by tolstoy (laughs) (laughs) and that's your instructions and you think oh right and i need 15 fingers on this hand okay (laughs) yeah that's definitely another element the uh the old issue of hotkeys you know like knowing the shortcuts but i think that's more the realm of like competitive online multiplayer and that that's definitely a reputation that strategy games like starcraft 2 have but Mm. i'm quite happy just to ignore all that (laughs) 
completely. If I could just like get back and maybe try and have a crack at this, a single player campaign of a strategy game, I'll be happy. Yeah, I, th- I think it does get a raw deal because a lot of people imagine them being dull, yeah, you know, and yeah. some weirdo that's just sat in a darkened room on his own being God. But no, they're, they're just interesting games, you know, where you, your reflexes don't have to be good, that good. But you have to be sharp. I like just the uh, innate design of them, you know, like the isometric mm. or bird's eye view. Um, and I th- I think that although I was saying earlier that you could say that there, there's a time investment there or you're worried about that, the length that they take, but that in itself can be a charm. You feel like you, you're in control, isn't it? Like you, you feel like you're kind of like really connected to what's going on. And I, and I love it as well when they have, you know, an enticing narrative overlaid. Um, so like yeah. Starcraft 2 has got, you know, has, has built up a terrific like mythology and, you know, and there's been spin-off novelizations and, you know, I know sometimes people would say, oh, that's all dreck, you know, when you get a novelization of a movie or you get a novelization of a, of a video game in particular, but there's actually been, you know, some pretty decent stories, uh, you know, that, have, that kind of have come out of that franchise. And again, before, that we've mentioned civilization, I can honestly remember pouring over the little kind of in guide, the in game guide. I think it was like the Civopedia mm. or the Civipedia, and it just literally <laughs> had pages and pages of text. But it 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 gave you. Uh, whereas, like you know, when you think about the history of civilizations, it's like far too much to even comprehend, particularly at kind of school age when I was getting into these games. Mm. The, the civilization allowed me to kind of process it in a in a although it might be in a fictitious or artificial official uh, harmony the fact that there was like these science scientific technology trees or how you would kind of like progress from the stone age you know onwards and like there was like a real yeah. sense of evolution and you'd need certain resources to be able to build certain things that really kind of made a logic in my mind and I, and I do think I gleaned an incredible insight or far greater insight into history you know like key events across cultures far more than I ever would have got sitting in history class definitely and I think that that's probably why civilization as a particular game as had such a you know a place in my heart and it would be definitely on a list of my favorite games of all time so even though i don't go back to it as much as i should for for a long period of time i i just thought that was like the gateway to endless imagination you know i just and, and, and education i just thought it was an incredible achievement is there any others that you can think of any like pitfalls or barriers that our audience might have for, for trying these games I think the um, only pitfall I can think of with this particular type of game is sometimes, you know, it's can be the perceived time, the investment that you have to put into it. And again, you know, it's looking at the uh, manuals, which is never a good idea. That, isn't that, that, that all that's gone now, though, isn't it, in the age of Steam? Yeah, yeah. You know, don't, don't you get them all digitally? And I guess that there's guides, but I mean, I imagine now... It's more in the tutorial. I guess there's also video walkthroughs you could kind of look at alongside your own yeah. game. But again, it's yeah, time, isn't it? Exactly. I think they're getting there as far as that's concerned, but it's still that perception that you've got such a learning curve to do, you know, it might put a lot of people off. Which is a shame because once they get the hooks into you, they can be really good. Yeah, I mean, if we were then going to sort of try and recommend a few games for the more lapsed members of our of our listenership, maybe more recent strategy games that you can think of. Um, have you got any that come to mind? I mean, obviously you said a brilliant one earlier, Civilization Revolution. Yeah. I think that would definitely be at the top of the list for me to for people. I would to try. strongly recommend it as well, um, especially now it's on virtually every platform you can get it on. I, I do love the, the hybrid 
style of games that we get i mean another one that i i really adore is like the puzzle strategy rpg clash of heroes so it's like um it's like a spin-off from the might and magic series it is more like the, the way that they do the units on the board is that they're, they've got colors so it's almost like a match three dynamic added on to this rpg story but ultimately it's just got this perfectly honed strategy at its heart like so that's a game you can pick up and play but it's kind of like difficult to master but it's utterly compelling so like that was on ds originally and now that is on ios and you can get it on ps3 i think it was like for sale the other day for something ridiculous i mean the only downfall of that game is that it's got quite long loading screens because they gave it like a hd gloss um whereas the ds was much more kind of instantaneous but no that's a fantastic example of how you get a strategy fix but with it in a much more kind of palatable form tower defense that they've they've just exploded in popularity and they i think they are some of the the better strategy games that i've played from recent times you know i've mentioned before like your plants versus zombies your swords and soldiers you know the plants versus zombies is huge now isn't it and the game seems to be different every time i load it up because i go months and months in between playing the sequel and uh that game's just because it's free to play and they just keep updating it it's like completely (laughs) different like they've actually changed how you progress through the levels up the time <laughs> and, you know and the world map's different so i guess that's like an endless game now like it isn't one you'd be able to start and complete because obviously they want you to keep playing it f- i mean i haven't spent a penny in terms of in-app purchases but i guess in a way like although they've made improvements in the sequel i probably would just still prefer to have the original because it's like well that it did have a beginning middle and an end <laughs> but i don't know about it now i mean did you notice actually talking about uh, strategy games on handhelds so i wanted to pick up the original Plants vs. Zombies on Vita, and it's just not on the store anymore. Really? Yeah, it's just not available because um, I think back in February or March, Sony sold what, what their store used to be called. Is it Sony Entertainment or something? They yeah. changed the name or something, and yeah. they sold whatever the previous uh, name was to another company, and that was owned, like Plants vs. Zombies and a few other titles, was <sighs> still owned under that original name. So the copyright transferred over to them, and now it's just sort of disappeared. But I suppose we shouldn't be surprised because I, th- I think a few PopCap uh since they obviously have been bought out by EA, some of their games have changed. Like I think Peggle used to be available on PSN, but if you wanted to go and download it now for your PS3, you wouldn't be able to. No, that's a shame as well, because Peggle's a yeah. great game. It is, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, the only other one I springs to my mind is that if people have got a DS laying around, they've got a great sort of tower defence RTS game on there called Ninja Town, um, hmm. which seems to have passed a lot of people by, but I'd definitely recommend that. It's a, you know, you've basically got like these marshmallow-styled uh, ninjas and you've got like different bases but like obviously the ninjas have got different characteristics based on their colors so some are more durable some are faster um but no that was like a really fun mixture of strategy and tower defense i was actually going to ask you about that because um nintendo you just don't put with um strategy games at all i'm just going to say uh, is there anything out for the wii or the ds that's a ds game but it wouldn't have been made by nintendo i don't know how it works it might be one of those ones that was published by nintendo but it was obviously developed by a different developer like not a particularly big one i don't think because i remember that game almost went like straight to the bargain bin you know <laughs> and you could pick up the cart for a fiver and things like that isn't command conquer 3 is still out there and available isn't it yeah got, you know the red alert one they've had expansions put on i don't know about some of these games whether the online would have been switched off but again i think maybe if you're more casual you'd probably want to just play v the computer to yeah to start with anyway to me uh, having no online is actually a bonus (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, it just hit me you know when we're talking about the pc versus the console it's just 
when you think of the Wii U and the Wii and the DS, yeah, you I know, can't really yeah. think of many, if any, titles apart from Plants v Zombies, obviously. Yeah, um, I'm sure there are loads that we're missing, and I think likely. it's more more a case that they did. Um, that they're not like I, I guess you know they're, they're not what people would consider like classic Star Wars yes, is I'm assuming that a lot of uh, yeah. them in the transition became more hybrid in structure you know they they lent more to like rpgs or, or tower defense but yeah i'm sure there are turn-based ones like i know um fire emblem has become much more mainstream now from uh fire emblem awakening and that's obviously on the 3ds and it's mm. a turn-based strategy game much in the ilk of an um, advanced wars so you know they're they're available you know they were on gba i think yeah. like the, the, those franchises originally and they, they've continued to have iterations on the ds and the 3ds and now i think on the wii u you can you can get them on the virtual console but yeah i think like you know not being out of the game as it were for for quite a while i, I, I can't pick like these I can't, I can't pick like a classic one off the top of my head i mean you're saying tropico 5 that's probably what the most recent console one that we, that we both have kind of like heard yeah. of yeah yeah, <laughs> it's it's probably the only new release game I've bought this year, and I've actually stuck with until the end. <laughs> and, and that's got like a campaign that you can play through, yeah. It yeah, has, yeah. yeah. It's a crazy campaign, and it involves time travel this time, which is um, <laughs> something I wasn't expecting at all. Yeah, because it's normally set on these like. Um, I always imagine it as like Fidel Castro, like styled leader, yeah. like in the jungle or something. <laughs> it is, yeah. You've got you've got your banana plantations, the whole lot. Yeah, it, it's been great again. You know, to just have the overall arc. Like you said, it's better to have a beginning, middle, and end. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of like other notable franchises then that are in like the strategy genre that we might not necessarily have hands-on experience with, but I'm sure other people would champion is, you know, we've mentioned XCOM. Mm. That's that's console-based as well as PC, isn't yeah. it? So that definitely seems to be one. And you've got, you've already mentioned Final Fantasy, and I know that they had a couple of tactics games, yeah. um, I think, that go back to the, I want to say, not the Vita. What was the one before that? Oh, PSP. PSP. Yeah. yeah. So I think that you know that they seem to be very popular, and then you've got the the military ones, and I, I, t I tended more to play the history based ones, but I know that obviously the the whole World War Two setting was an enormous success for franchises like Company of Heroes, mm. and then you've got, I think, is it Total War? They've that's been yeah. set in lots of different periods in history, and then you've got the more. I guess sci-fi or or fantasy based ones like Warhammer. So like they, I haven't tried them, but they're they're ones that I, I have heard spoken highly of. You know, elsewhere. Thinking about it, there was also a GameCube one, uh, Battalion Wars, that actually came over to the Wii. Yeah, because that that I'm sure that shares some DNA with with Advance Wars, doesn't it? It does. Is it the same developer I or something? I think they've got something to do with each other. Uh, couldn't yeah. tell you a hundred percent on that one. There's probably people screaming, "What about this? What about that?" <laughs> and we're just, yeah. we're just bumbling along. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, that's that's partly you know why we want to do these. It's about us learning, you know. So absolutely, like the 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 listenership, if you can kind of recommend some to us, and we can please do, you know, feed that back on a on a future show that that would be fantastic so is there any any others that you you want to mention that either you'd recommend or that you you know you're they're on your hit list to try sort of like in the future be they old or new games uh the only thing that's in in my hit list to try is xcom just because i've had so many people give a heads up on it obviously over twitter with the feed we've had a few people suggesting stuff as well 
So, yeah, 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 we should get on to that. Yeah, I mean, I think I've pretty much exhausted the ones that I, I want to go back to and try. I think it's like a mixture of me of going back to the past. Mm. So I want to go back and give Civ Five the time it deserves. I want to play StarCraft Two from beginning to end because um, the 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 beta is just uh, or the beta sorry the access is just opened for Legacy of the Void, which is I believe is like the third part in the trilogy yeah. of that game. Um, so yeah, I really want to kind of go back and kind of invest some time in that to, you know, maybe be in a position to be able to pick that up as well as, you know, I've got a 3DS I picked out with the Wii U earlier this year, you know, with the intention of like trying to get back into gaming. So I've got Fire Emblem Awakening. I just am aware hmm. that that is another game that I believe is almost upwards of like hundreds of hours or something that you wow. can put into it. So I might go Advance Wars on DS first and then do <laughs> Fire Emblem. <laughs> I think I'll go Tetris. <laughs> So I'll just bring you some comments that have been given to us from the LGR community on the social media that we've got. We've got a tweet here from Stuart Cullen, who's at FuryAC3. Halo Wars is a great way for first-person shooters and Halo fans alike into the genre and shows full-fat RTS can work on consoles. I agree with you there, Stuart. Yeah, what... what, what um was this on Xbox, like original Xbox, or was this not till the 360? Uh, this was the 360. Yeah, because I'm trying to remember why I didn't get that, because I can remember reading reviews of that. I mean, that's still when that game came out, however long ago that was. Mm. I think I was still actively buying games magazines then, and I can remember reading a review and thinking, oh, you know, like I was saying, it was almost like a holy grail for me and my friends at the time to find one that would work on a console. And I, I remember mm. at the time that looking really promising, because I did play, although I'm completely not a FPS fan, I did play Halo 1 and 2 and really enjoyed them so that's one that kind of passed me by simply because I didn't have access to the platform like we were saying before some people have access to many strategy games in their minds because they don't have a PC you know they don't think their PC is good enough to play games or they don't or PC gaming is just not their you know their first port of call when it comes to playing video games so yeah that's a great one to know that's on the console yeah I didn't even know it was a strategy game I just saw Halo on it and just that's it I just shut down because I can't do first person shoot like yourself i just end up feeling sick but i didn't know that was a strategy game at all that was quite a surprise so thanks for that Stuart. okay and we've got one from dan ragnar who's at justin knowles on twitter uh, and he's saying right if you want accessible uh strategy games maybe xcom on easy mode that's a good point mm. um often probably said in humor like try it on easy but there's nothing wrong with that you know we need to get rid of the stigma of trying games on easy because often yeah you it, you might be missing out on a, on a really good game and if, if the way to, for you to experience it is to play it on easy then I, I say oh, I'm all for that you know because I think mm. XCOM probably is a game that I don't know for some reason I thought was very difficult like I've just got this misinformed notion that it's a very hard game so if there is a way that you can tweak the difficulty then I'll, I would certainly be more inclined to give it a go yeah I'm definitely in then because I play everything on easy <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Darn Ragnar's also put Blood Bowl, if the player understands American football. Uh, <clears throat> I must admit, that's not one I've, I can remember or, or have heard of. And he also says Hero Academy on iOS, although he adds he hasn't spent much time with Hero Academy yet. Hero Academy, I've not heard of. Blood Bowl, I think, was on original Xbox, if I remember rightly, and GameCube. That might be way out there. Again, it's almost like the proliferation of games on like iOS and Android. It's quite overwhelming. So, to, if there is a good strategy game on there that can be recommended, and you and you find it and get on with it, that can be a godsend. You know, for when you have got those mm. like moments where 
you know, I don't know, Littland's off actually managing to uh, navigate the indoor play centre on his own without you. <laughs> and you're letting your left to brave it with all the mums. You know, that'd be great to have a game on the iOS that's, you know, you can lose yourself in for a few few minutes at a time. <laughs> and this one's from Chris Moen, uh, 7 o'clock shadow. Not a conventional strategy game, but Ironclad Tactics starts off easily enough. I'm not sure on Ironclad Tactics. Have you heard No, I mean, I want to say it's something to do with, like, submarines, but <laughs> I, I could be wrong. Actually, older than me, there was, there was definitely a, a series of games, strategy games, that were based in, like, the medieval times. That might be Stronghold that I'm thinking of. I don't know. Didn't uh, didn't the 3DS have, like, a um, submarine, like, multi-online strategy game? I mean, we're showing our complete ignorance here, so that's what I'm going to have to look up, so I don't know it. Ironclad Tactics, okay. It starts off easy enough, so that's definitely worth a try then. And it's on PS4. Oh, okay. Well, I don't have a PS4. Well, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't use it for anything. I just watch Despicable Me. But actually, before we go, I know that we did have a comment based on Joey, Mark H and uh, Andy's conversation on horror games, the topic Tambola from the last episode. And this is from uh, Gawney7789 on Twitter. I remember he was saying, like, I think actually like a lot of us on the team, he was saying, you know, horror is not necessarily a good one for him. You know, like he's not particularly play a lot of horror games. He said, I think the last horror game he played was Sonic 06. <laughs> so uh, I don't know whether there was like scary elements to that game or he's just saying the game was such a shocker uh, <laughs> of that time. Um, it, it gave him nightmares uh, and he's put the, the latest alien game and the evil within did tempt him back but he's you know not he's not mustered the courage just yet um so they're again good tips that were you know not make a nice little appendium to the conversation that was had by the lads on the last episode and he's also gone he's also expressed an interest in guesting on laps game radio and you know i'm sure i'll speak for all of us when i say we'd, we'd love to start getting some of the listeners on to co-host sections of the yeah. show uh, and i'm particularly keen to get gawney on because he is an i'm um, pretty certain he's from a nintendo background so like at least he would have heard of some of the games that i'm, <laughs> I'm mentioning because i don't know if, anyone, if you've listened to the tuned in section yet but like uh, you know professor layton phoenix Wright, just no response <laughs> just nothing <laughs> <laughs> oh, i liked phoenix Wright. <laughs> <laughs> i think that the newest iterations I mean, Phoenix Wright has already gone on to iOS, and I believe that the next Layton game is going to be iOS exclusive. Like, it's not going to be on Nintendo. Uh-oh. I mean, I might, maybe that's wrong, but I'm sure it's definitely been put over to, you know, mobile devices. Wow. Gawney definitely needs to be on here. <laughs> At least there's two here to talk about Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this just about wraps up uh, this month's Topic Tumbola. Um, if you've got any comments or any suggestions, please let us know from this month's coffee table. That's Kevin and Lee. Yep. Good night. And uh, I, hope, I hope although, you know, we've merely scratched the surface of this huge uh, <laughs> avenue of gaming. I hope that some of the titles at least would resonate with some of you that you've either played in the past or, you'd, uh, you know, you'd be willing to give them a go in the future. And uh, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. And what of your legacy? Will you be adored by the masses for your kind rule, even hand, and flourishing culture? Will you introduce great wonders to the world? Discover exciting new technologies? Will people talk of the greatness and glory of your cities for generations to come?
discovered. I have led. I have conquered. I have inspired. I have built a civilization to stand the test of time. What will your civilization stand for? Sid Meier's Civilization 5. Hey guys, and welcome to this episode's uh, instalment of the playlist section. Uh, where we uh, suggest a game or take a suggestion of a game from the community and play through it together and then have a little discussion of it. Uh, Last episode we talked about Kentucky Route Zero and uh, this episode is uh, Starbreeze Studios and 505 Games Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, a sort of um, third-person action-adventure platformy sort of game um, with some interesting uh, mechanical uh, elements to it and a, a very compelling story and uh, joining me on this episode is uh, Andy, Lee and Pete. Say hi guys. Hi guys. Good evening. Hi. Hello. <laughs> 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 so um, Brothers came out on uh, August 2013 uh, on Xbox 360 originally as part of the, that year's uh, Summer of Arcade and then later that year on um, uh, PlayStation 3 and uh, Windows. And it's soon to come to PS4, Xbox One, iOS, Android, and Windows Phone. So you have no excuse. If you haven't played it, you'll be able to play it on everything in in the near future. Um, It's an interesting game, um, especially for this particular studio. Um, The developers are more well-known for games like uh, Chronicles of Riddick uh, and, and games like that than arty Scandinavian style um, <laughs> fairy tale adventure games how did you guys uh, had you played this before it came up as a suggestion Andy you go first no it was one of those I'll just get around to playing it and then it came through on PS Plus I believe so I just added it to my list and forgot about it so it was only <laughs> until it was suggested by yourselves but you know I better get around to playing it and then had to go at it enjoyed it it's a short game so before I won't go too much into it at the moment. Lee, had you played it before? I, I hadn't. I think um, I, I. It must have been a game that, even though I wasn't probably playing many games on its release, I had always heard kind of positive word of mouth about it. But um, I think the only thing I ever had seen of it is when you go onto the, the PlayStation Store. Sometimes they have trailers and they might have a video of gameplay footage. But I think for Brothers, they just had those static screenshots um, and I don't know for whatever reason although people have said it's, it was a good game it just that those static shots that I, I was basing kind of like my purchasing decision on just weren't enough to pull me in and I think it had always stayed at around um, the sort of a higher price range on, on the mm. store although obviously it had gone on to PS Plus but I wasn't a member at, at that time um, so I, I, it's kind of one similar to Andy where I kind of had it on in my mind that I might get to it or it was like an, I knew it was an intriguing critically acclaimed sort of title but I'd never actually managed to play it until you know you, you'd given me the kind of push on this occasion so yeah very pleased to get the opportunity because uh, as I'm sure we'll get onto there's a it's got a lot of interesting elements to it. Pete? So I'd heard good word of mouth about the game um, I actually knew very little about it apart from the sort of the unique control method which we'll obviously touch on to later um, so I actually bought it when it was cheap on uh, PlayStation 3 on the PlayStation Network. Um, it was a few months before it came onto Plus, so 
as is increasingly common with myself, I bought it but hadn't actually touched and then could have got it free on plus anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that a very similar thing happened to me this time around. I bought it for like the eleven ninety nine, and then literally it would have been within a week or so. It had got dropped down to like literally £3 and a few <laughs> pence. So uh, I'm, I'm pleased that Kevin and I think a few others, although they haven't joined us on this occasion, I know that they kind of capitalised on the recent, um, what's it called, Summer of Digital? Is that, yes, is that that's the sale that's going on? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, there is no excuse. It's, it's been going very cheaply, I think, on Steam for a number of months, and now it's you know less than a pint in a you know in, in many bars that you can get it for now. So it's, I mean, it's worth it was worth every penny that I, I paid in, in any case. But um, yeah, it's just one of those typical scenarios that you buy a game and then it instantly goes on sale. <laughs> right. Well, I guess we should start with um, the premise of the game. So it's a it's sort of like an invented. Uh, Nordic style fairy tale, uh, and very much in the in the same sort of style of a classic European fairy tales. In that it's it's just very very dark. Um, it's not like a, a it doesn't have a a happy ending, and there's plenty of sadness throughout the game. But it's also there's moments that are very uplifting and beautiful, as, as we'll we'll come on to. Um, it was directed by a film director, an actual film director rather than a, a games director a, a Swedish uh, film director by the name of Josef Fares um, and uh, it's, I mean that's unusual because whenever film directors traditionally have tried their hand at making games they either haven't ever happened as with uh, with um, Guillermo del Toro or they've been absolutely terrible um, whereas this is, this is a rather good game um so it's a it starts off with um a young boy by the name of uh, nai uh, paying respects at his uh, mother's tombstone you have a little flashback and you see that um at some point uh, she drowned at sea and he was unable to save her um and then you discover that uh him and his brother Naya, their father is ill and the only way that they can save him is traveling to presumably the tree of life it's never nothing is ever communicated verbally or or, or in any written form uh, at all in the game it's all you just kind of have to infer what's going on yeah it's all kind of yeah. like gesture based and obviously they're um, sort of made up uh, language isn't it yeah yeah it's all very uh, you just kind of it's not hard to piece together um, but it's all it's all done visually uh, and through the gestures and the emotions of the characters. Um, so they go off on this adventure to um, <clears throat> to to save their father. Um, it's not long that you get into it that you kind of realise immediately how much of a challenge the the main hook of the game um, is going to be, and that's the the way that it controls with the older brother uh, Naya on the left stick. And the um, and the left trigger, and Nai, the younger brother, on the right stick and the right trigger, and you control them both at the same time to um, to navigate through the game and solve these puzzles. I mean, how much of, of an obstacle was that uh, for you guys? If you want to start off, Andy. Yeah, it was interesting. I can tell you that. <laughs> to put it lightly, <laughs> at first, um, the first hour or so sort of muddled your way through by sort of sending one brother ahead. And then bringing the other one, following it <laughs> <laughs> afterwards, until certain sequences are, uh, you couldn't really do that. Or I'd have them both facing each other end of the screen and they'd run like diagonally down the side. 
um, to follow the path. <laughs> so <laughs> I never fully grasped grasped it. The whole two stick thing. I never could really get them going unless one was ahead of the other. It was all, it was really difficult. I kept having to look down at the controller and <laughs> really focus on what I was doing. <laughs> so it was interesting but difficult. And, and I think that probably, if I didn't really have to play it through, that might have been a big stumbling block for Samina. Because the way it is, it's, the right hand was perfect. It was more of a left hand. Or it was a bit confused. It, it, it was just a confusing thing to get your head around. See, that's interesting because I found it the other way around. Uh, I thought it was one of the, the 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 more subtle, clever ways that it was designed. And the fact that the older brother, the the more experienced, more confident one, was on the left stick, which you normally associate with movement in sort of third person games, whereas the younger, clumsier brother was on yeah. the the right stick, which you're not used to using, unless you play Southpaw, uh, you're not used to using um, to control movement. And so I always found I was way more clumsy with the younger brother than I was with the elder one. Mm. Yeah, and you often would find yourself um, leading with like the elder brother. So yeah. like um, similar to what Andy was saying, to, to begin with, you try these different strategies of almost inventing like an invisible line down the center of the screen so you keep them on the you know their territory and uh, i'd often have like the elder brother going first and then yes then it would be like bringing up the, the younger brother but i think like you're saying mark that's on the one hand i think people could dismiss it as kind of gimmicky um or you know it's sort of like don't read too much into it but i, I completely agree with what you're saying that not only did i find it quite surprisingly intuitive to begin with so that first section where you first take control of the brothers and you have to kind of take their father down on the stretcher i mean i was going all over the place and that is when i thought oh no this is this is going to be really really kind of like a chore but um i was amazed at how quickly you, you just sort of pick it up and i don't know why that you know I, I think it is just obviously through great um design but before um before i knew it i, I was able to you know have some kind of measure of control over both and get them working in tandem and it, it feeds into the narrative i mean again i think some people might say it'd be you could get read too much into it but for me and the experience of the game i thought it was incredibly clever the way that they did that because that your kind of shift of um importance or I, I guess like you know i saw very much the old brother as kind of like the leader he was the one i was the most confident in doing the kind of different chores and activities with or sending into danger but as the game goes on you know that, that you've been led down that path for a reason you know and it yeah. able it, 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 I, for me it just felt like the controls the story and the aesthetic of the world that it was setting were really um well tied together so um now i was really kind of like impressed actually by that not only the central conceit of controlling them both on the two sticks but how kind of well that that brought the story forward yeah how did you get on with it pete similarly like i gather most people like you said they either have them walk single file which is what i tend to do like you said have the older <laughs> brother in front and the younger brother behind or they do the classic right the, the older brother on the left hand side and the Younger are always on the right-hand side. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> and as you touched on, Mark, um, I got on with it pretty quickly, um, but because naturally, like you said, um, you, you know, most games you're used to the right stick controlling the camera, and on mm. this game, the camera controls the move to R1 and L1. Um, so there were, to be fair, the camera's pretty good, and that you don't usually need to 
control it too often. But there were a few occasions where I had to sort of swing it around. Mm-hmm. And then that, of course, affected which sort of way the brothers were facing. So I'd have to take a bit brief moment to reset them, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it's it's definitely one of the main sort of unique points of the game, and it's I think it's very central to sort of how the game is designed. See. Had it the whole game been two of them in tandem holding a log between them or a saw, I'd have preferred that. I'd have found it easier. <laughs> oh, I'd have found that harder, I think. <laughs> yeah, I found some of those puzzles, some of the, 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 the hardest ones when you were down in the mines area and you had to grab a, a length of metal to jam some gears to stop a mechanism moving. Yeah. And you had to navigate them through a maze, like a, a very short maze to get back. Mm. That was for me, one of the hardest puzzles in the game because I was <laughs> trying to navigate this. I was like, this, no, this isn't working. It's, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be your reality very soon. Like when you're moving house with the furniture, yeah. like through the doorways <laughs> and that. <laughs> that's but, true. Um, At least I got a second player to help though. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like one of the only games that I can think of where it's like a co-op game, but for you individually. Like yeah. I, I, I really, the more that I played the game, the more kind of fascinated and impressed by that just simple design choice that I was, that, you know, you are playing two characters simultaneously. I mean, when I first started playing the game, I think, as I said to you, Mark, off air, I was playing it with my little boy and then, Obviously, because I started to get a little bit more aware of the, the kind of narrative and the fact that it was a little bit more adult themed that I, yeah. I decided to carry on with it solo. But yeah, th- th- we were kind of like playing it together. But then just the experience of being able to control the two characters with total freedom yourself, I thought was excellent. And I, I, I kind of guessed when you start, when they start only having their own kind of like unique jobs that they have to do to solve the puzzles, it almost harkened back to something like Vikings, like on the Amiga, where you had like, I think, yeah. three different characters that you'd have to swap in and out. But obviously, it's, it's evolved to a point now where you don't need to swap in that. You are actually both characters simultaneously. Mm. They were very clever in the way that they designed the puzzles, from the very simple ones right up to some of the more complicated ones. One of my favourites from the early game was when you're still in the quite idyllic beginning of the game and you're running through a, a, some farmland area and there's a meadow with uh, bales of hay on their side and a dog. <laughs> and you have to take it in turns. One brother distracts the dog while the other one runs to the next bale of hay and so on and so forth till you get to the end. There were so many little moments like that that just genuinely made me smile. It was a simple little puzzle, but it spoke well to the way that the, that the characters, uh, that their personalities. Uh, and another way that they did that as well is, did you guys notice that when you could go and interact with certain characters, if you walked up to them and pressed the trigger? Um, yeah, the they'd two do brothers, different things. They, yeah, they'd it. act yeah. in different ways. And sometimes the older brother would show absolutely no skill in, <laughs> in uh, trying to do something and the younger brother would and the other way around. Like there's uh, it, quite early on, there's a woman uh, sweeping in front of a house. And if you go with the older brother, he takes the broom and does some sweeping. And if you take it with a younger brother, he turns upside down and tries to balance it on his hand whilst, <laughs> yeah. whilst the woman yeah. chastises him. <laughs> uh, it was and just like, it, it's such a novel way to, to build your character through absolutely no dialogue at all. You know, no, apart from the, the made up language that they use to, to call to each other. Masterfully done, masterfully done. I mean, I mean, I even down see. to the the fact that you, where you get the issue of you've gone too far to the edge of the screen with the yeah. pair of them that they would just auto sort of auto animate into like the call for the other brother. 
because obviously in like a a different game you could get like a split screen effect or you know when you do like the co-op in the lego games doesn't it It like tears the screen in half so you can still go where you need to go whereas here it's clear that you know you need to bring them uh, together in tandem to be able to you know progress in the game but no i I thought it was really clever even just the silly little things where the little the younger brother spits down the wells if he goes up to them Like you said, it's it's a great way of establishing the character of the two brothers because, like you said, the old one is obviously a bit more serious and a bit more focused while the young brother tends, to, to be honest, quite frankly, he's a bit of a little shit. Um, <laughs> to it, begin it, with, definitely. It, yeah, it was, it was, I must say, at first it was a bit, it was a bit jarring, in fact, because obviously it starts off with the younger brother, like you said, mourning at the, at the gravestone of his mother. Hmm. And it's obviously quite a dark, serious start to a game. And then the, the father goes ill. And then abruptly, then, you know, you're, you're interacting with the villagers and the little brother's doing things like, like the one that got me was there's a, there's a man thatching his roof. Um, and if the old brother interacts with him, he'll show him the map and ask him for directions. The young brother basically kicks a hole in his roof. (laughs) What are you doing that for? There's just no need. Um, and yeah, and like you said, he seemingly, he suitably gets chastised by the, the, the man. But yeah, things do turn a corner quite quickly. Yeah, from the lightheartedness. It starts to go a little bit darker quite soon into the game, where you stumble across a, a very Nordic-looking troll. I mean, it's a, it's a very. Have you ever seen like um, pictures of like trolls from Nordic mythology? I've seen Troll Hunter. That's yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. 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 kind of like kind of like that, but a bit yeah. smaller. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you find this troll crying, and you go and have some garbled dialogue with him and uh he helps the two brothers along on their way and uh, I, I like that moment as well where he'd like pick them up and throw them across gaps yeah uh, he'd stretch his arms stretch out his and arms out and across, like a bridge yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think andy commented on that actually off air he was saying it was refreshing to come across a troll that you know isn't trying to yeah. smash into bits or you know i, I completely <laughs> yeah. agree I, th- I thought that was a really charming aspect of it i mean it, although the 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 kind of design of the troll is different. There was like elements of the world that kind of felt like, I mean, some of it's obviously clearly Tolkien-esque, uh, yeah. you know, Tolkien influence. Then you've mm. got a bit of almost fable, the way that it riffs on that kind of mythology, but also it's like Labyrinth, the film, like, I don't know. I just had this weird kind of, although it's dark on the one hand, there was like a bit of, there was a magic, like there was a wonderment mm. um, to it, very akin to like a, a you know, like a childhood, fantasy game so I, I i liked all of those kind of elements but that that troll sequence in particular particularly where it goes you know where we we kind of there's a few uh episodes in the game or tasks you have to do that have almost got like a part two to them so like when we first kind of befriend the troll we then later obviously encounter which we didn't know at the time it turns out to be his partner doesn't it yeah, yeah. two brothers make their way down into these into these mines i guess i i think they're mines um it's never really explicitly um, no, doesn't, it doesn't ever explicitly tell you anything um, but yeah working your way through a lot of machinery and um, some really interesting puzzles and then you go through I guess what you'd call the game's first boss fight <laughs> where you uh, you have to uh, use the two brothers to try and trap a well you release one troll and then um, a nasty one comes in and you have to use the brothers to try and trap it in a in like a, the cage that the other one was in that's the closest thing this game ever comes to boss fights i guess there's a couple well, of there's obviously like there's that. a yeah. there's another one isn't there obviously towards the end which yeah. is a bit of a shock <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that in a bit. I, I love the way that the brother can kind of fit through the, the, the gaps, like the cages, the way that you've kind of been subtly foreshadowed to, to understand what you might need to do yeah. in that particular encounter. I thought, again, yeah. that was that was very well done. Like obviously, the older brother does the switches, um, but the young brother can fit into the you know the actual cage itself to lure the you know the the, the, the troll kind of like the evil troll I guess uh, you know <laughs> into the the prison. Yeah, that kind of shows the beginning of the development of the younger brother's character because you see at the beginning that he's he's a, a, a bit of a liability. He can't swim, which becomes a, a major plot point. Um, he can only you can only go through the water sections with him clutching onto the older brother's back. But then as you start to go on, he starts to show his worth in these puzzles. He can squeeze through these little gaps. He can go on narrow little fragile beams that the old brother can't. The the older brother needs to lift the younger brother up onto higher levels to throw a rope down for him. It starts to show, he starts to develop and becomes more and more useful. Um, uh, the way that the puzzles are, de- puzzles are designed, he becomes more integral in how you complete them. Um, and it shows him becoming more confident and, and growing as this journey goes along. Yeah, and it's, it's through, you know, the fact that you're reuniting this, this troll family, as it were. And there's another one where if you let a bird out of a cage it then uh, goes and finds its mate on a branch later on you know it's like a i think it's more of an achievement sort of side yeah. uh, mission but it's this like there's this underlinement of kind of like the inter relationship between people you know like the, the dependency or like this idea of teamwork uh, between the two and kind of like reuniting things and I, I thought that worked really well again it's just like this subtle feeling of what the the narrative or the thematic quality of the piece that they're trying to reach for yeah um and and again like that worked for me I I, can, I did read, I think, some negative comments where they said they thought it was like really contrived and they found a lot of the emotional beats hollow. I, I can't say that, that I had that effect on me. I think at the beginning, Andy said it's like a short game and it, mm. and it is a short game, which can be like a blessing in itself for, for a lapsed gamer, but I don't feel it's like an insubstantial game. No. Like I feel like it delivered on the gameplay front and the narrative for me. Well, none of the sections were ever long enough to outstay their welcome. It oh, apart from com- that flying one. I hated that. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> I never had too much problem with that one, but the first time I played it, that was an absolute nightmare. I just didn't know where to land. <laughs> the pathfinding in that section, it doesn't really pinpoint show you where you need to go. The next section is we get a brief cutscene where it cuts back to the father who is ill in bed and distraught that his his two sons have gone off to try and find this cure for him. And when it cuts back, it's nighttime in the woods and the two brothers are by a campfire. This is where the game really turns and starts to become more of a dark and more of a serious story with fewer moments of like of levity. You have to navigate through this this section of the woods with a torch flailing it to try and scare the wolves away. I just wanted to mention, touching back on the the troll boss we mentioned earlier and indeed this section with the wolves it's worth pointing out there's actually no sort of direct combat throughout the game apart from maybe arguably the second like last boss we'll chat about later yeah um so like it nearly all of the bosses are sort sort of of a puzzling nature in terms of just working out what to do rather than directly attacking an enemy and like whittling down a health bar or something like that so even the wolves like they're you just have to try and force them away using the torch you can't you know you can't directly 
attacked him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're yeah. protecting the, the 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 younger brother, aren't yes. you? With the uh, older brother who's holding the torch. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite. I think it's almost like more compelling in that way, isn't it? Like again, it feeds into that. You're getting the an understanding of their like their roles as siblings. You know, like it's very much that the older brother's having to take care of the younger brother to begin with, and then of course that that kind of gets completely reversed later on. Yeah, that level. There was right at the start, there was a flash, and then you see, was it children hanging, being, being hanged? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. A, you're right, yeah, yeah. That's, it's very, very, that, yeah, it suddenly becomes like, oh, it's like very much a lot more foreboding, isn't it? Mm. Nothing is really explained, and nearly all of the game is told through um, sort of environmental storytelling. And I have to admit, this, this one bit we've mentioned was the only bit I felt didn't fit in. Like you said, you're, you're, you're swirling through the, the dark woods, and suddenly you come across these three bodies hanging in the mm. in the in the forest and they're all identically dressed with hoods on their heads and there seems to be an indication of these were i don't know criminals and they've been punished or executed um it's set up like a warning like this is you know it almost like you'd expect some some sort of feudal lord saying this is my land do not trespass on or something like that but then you progress through the, the woods and then you come to a church and there's just a man there and he opens the gate for you and it's just no it's just like so why were those bodies there i there was the only thing i mean we could sit and think of theories but it, it just struck me as a bit odd yeah that is a bit of a, a, a disconnect in that. that that sequence was apart from a moment that happens later on it was one of the less memorable moments of the game despite it's like quite severe like shift in style there's a whole section of the walls and then you get chased off the edge of a cliff and down a waterfall and through a raging river and then you have to go through a puzzle whilst uh, the younger brother's hanging onto a vine and the mm. older brother's holding the top of it and you lead him through a path of trees that are trying to grab him yeah that was another old one (laughs) yeah and that whole section right up until the end of that bit didn't sit quite right with me with the rest of the game it's not it's it's the weakest section of the game in my opinion not not that it's bad at all it's just that the other sections are more memorable for me because obviously like the motif of the hanging and Mm. the kind of mystery about that because you then encounter later on in the game another scenario where someone is actually actively hanging themselves although it's for a different reason mm. um it's so it almost like makes me forget that section in the woods completely because uh it's, it's obviously we realize that the it's i think it's the father isn't it then it's his family have perished in a in a house fire yeah. and that's why he's trying to take his life and then again i think there's two paths so i, yeah, I guess you, you could, could, could miss, miss it, it. Yeah. yeah yeah if you but know. obviously you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of the problem with that, that whole part of the game with the wolves and everything and the darkness and the hanging is there's no payoff. I think that's where it comes from. There's no... You think you're going to meet a bad guy um, you can think you're going to either puzzle and you're having to deal with somebody yeah. who kills these... Who's warned, set these people as a warning or has killed them. But like, like Pete said, you come to it, it's some guy who you wake up, he opens the gate for you and off you go, you're like, oh, wait a minute, where's this guy? You know, Why is he living and, here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this place is horrible. But, yeah, that's it. So there's no payoff. As it, and maybe because I've been a gamer for so many years, you expect a payoff. And maybe that's why it's such a disconnect and such a, maybe it feels not such a good level that, hold on, I'm meant to be dealing with this guy who's hanging people. I'm not just wandering on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more, I mean, unless we're, we're missing something, but I think it's like pizza. It's almost like yeah. the window dressing to set a mood of being scared, but uh, it's, it's more just for that superficial kind of, you know, emotion. It's not because it's actually going to lead or feed into the story because, um, again, when you, you stop that man from committing suicide, it, it kind of underlines this Ooh. idea, again, of, of loss and, like, family. Like, there's a re- you can, under- it makes kind of, 
narrative sense, although that's a very disturbing part of the game. Yeah. It makes sense for it to be there. Uh, yeah. In particular, I think, again, there's like an achievement, isn't there, that's associated with it. You find a memento of, like, I think it's like a music box yeah. that must have been his child's or something. Yeah, which again is like actually quite a moving scene. That comes after a uh, a section at the end of the, the woods where the the brother falls into uh, into the river, and the older brother jumps in to save him, and he comes out and wakes him up, or you think he wakes him up, and you start to walk down this path, and everything starts to get a bit distorted. Uh, one of them passes out. I think the older brother passes out, and then suddenly there's like a giant version of their mother and she's got her hand over their sick father and I no idea what was going on there. <laughs> yeah, it gets all a bit Salvador Dali, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, very surreal. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you, you quickly find out that the younger brother hadn't woken up and he was just having a weird dream. Yeah, then there's the section right after there with, with the, the guy who is trying to commit suicide. The path that you're supposed to take is right in the foreground and that's a little path that splits off at the back. So you, if you were just running through it, you could conceivably miss that. And that's quite a heavy but moving moment. I mean, you you find the music box and give him some sort of some resolution. Stand with him. Or sort, he, sort of salvation. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, the, it's a it's a, the the kind of pathos of the scene is that he feels he's got nothing to live for through the loss of his family, whereas in the kind of glib way that the game does it you know because obviously it's like really really compacted down this kind mm. of like emotional uh life it, i guess it's more about reminding him of their of them like they they bury them don't know the two yeah. children bury the bodies with him and um I, again it feeds into this whole idea of kind of like loss and bereavement and i guess the not the bereavement or death ever um is minimalized in any way but it's about somehow that you you can you still can you find the resolution to go on i guess yeah one of the things i really liked about that scene was that um it's a, it's a bit mean to call it a puzzle as such but the fact that as soon as i saw what was happening i instinctively like chose to intervene and i, I kind of yeah. knew what to do i mm. instantly ran towards the man with the older brother held his legs to stop him, you know, stopping the rope yeah. from going tight. Yeah. Got the brother to climb up the tree to loosen the rope. It, 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 it just came in instinctively. There was no standing around going, hmm, what do I do here? It was just suddenly, it was like, oh my God, I've got to do something now and just ran, just ran for it. Yeah, it's it's testament to the way that the game's designed that it teaches you through the puzzles that the big brother is good for the, for the heavy jobs and the little brother's good for the nimble jobs. Yeah. I mean, I saw that guy, I did serve him. I didn't find the music box. I was like, looked around and was like, alright, I'm off. And, then, <laughs> and that's, <laughs> I think, I, I think, Lee, did you 100% trophy this? Yeah, but that was, that was, I, I definitely missed, because, um, what I, it, what I realised as I was playing through the game is that there, I think the achievements aren't necessarily kind of like story based. I think no. they are like on the periphery, because, um, yeah. I think the first one that, um, you're meant to, come up across or discover or unlock is that you can skim stones with the brothers now i obviously played the whole game and didn't do that and then there's another one i think where you sit on a particular bench with the brothers and you you can see the whales from um above like you're up on a high mountain and you're looking down to these whales and they they kind of i think you can even call to them so there's definitely things that you would completely miss i mean i had to use a guide um, to do yeah. like the trophy mop up, but um, you know, I guess because the game is obviously the length that it is, that was like another 
pleasure. Yeah. Like to dip back in, even though I'd complete the story as it were. And they're all tied to nice little moments. I the, the benches and uh, uh, I, I sat on every single one of those. <laughs> yeah, and I did <laughs> thinking that that was going to be the achievement. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's just a nice little thing that you could completely miss as well, and it gives you a little view of. It's always something. It always shows you an area that you're going to go to, or an area that you've just been at, and you yeah. get like a fresh view of it. Yeah. Um, when- which I thought was really clever level design. I really, I yeah. really appreciated yeah. that. Like you said, like often you'd be looking down at where you had started the level, mm. um, and you went, you know, you know, not necessarily realizing like how sort of naturally you're you're climbing up a mountain or such, or following this path around, and you look down onto, and you can see clearly, you know, for like for one example, like you mentioned before, with the hay, the hay bales, you can sit on a bench and look down onto that field later. Yeah, and the yeah. dog's still running around. Yeah, it's a lovely thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. What I find it converted me into those moments is that you're two people in a much wider world, and the world is doing some events are happening around the world which have no connection to you. And I've never really experienced that in a video game. You know, because in a video game, you're not at the center of things, and everything's focused on you, or everyone's trying to kill you, or you're trying to do kill everybody. Here, you're traveling through the world, and you can see in the mines they're digging for gold. You can see him chanting elsewhere. You can see battles occurring. You know, I like to say the dog running around, still running around. <laughs> you know, normally, right, you, you'd pass it and then you'd forget about it, but you can still see it down mm. there at the bottom. So I just found it very interesting that way, how they converted that. Yeah, it's your tale, but there's things going on around the world. Yeah, so I, think, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, because, I mean, like we're saying, it's like short in terms of length. So you'd think that the world or the universe that you're inhabiting would be somehow insubstantial. But I guess you're right. That's It, it, it does a great way of uh, sort of conveying a sense of scope, like an expanse, because obviously there's some environments where you're very literally shrunken down, aren't you, in kind of stature to, to like the, whether it be like the giants fighting or there's like that massive uh, castle that you go to when all the furniture, like you keep expecting you know a giant to kind of break in jack and the beanstalk style at any moment but um, yeah that that real idea that you are traversing the land and i think that kind of fed back to the whole kind of tolkien vibe that i was getting you know you know people are on a journey and the kind of different expanses the different kind of environments that you end up going through it really conveys a feeling of going on an, an epic journey um even considering that the game is what, three three four hours long maybe four hours if you're taking your time but it still feels like you go you go through so many areas and they all feel connected it conveys a journey um in a way that a short game hasn't since journey uh, i guess so the next big set piece where the game uh, lifts itself out of uh, for a moment of being quite um stark uh is you find uh, an eccentric inventor up in the mountains with a uh, you have to complete a little puzzle moving around a uh, a giant cog th- that apparently doesn't weigh anything yeah because you <laughs> can throw it like miles at a time across oh, a yeah, the little brother bridge. can catch it fine this giant metal cog yeah um, i actually started it glitched on me really it landed in midair yeah it landed in mid-air. <laughs> did we all play this on playstation did anyone play it on xbox or on pc i played it on uh, 360 originally okay and then i played on ps3 and um, I have to admit, I came across quite a lot of bugs and sort of performance issues. Yeah. You know, which wouldn't temper my recommendation for the game. But there were some things that were a bit jarring. Like Andy, Andy just mentioned the cog. That didn't happen to me. I had a few odd bits during the flying section. 
just before the flying section, there's the bit with the telescope with the lovebirds that we mentioned yeah. earlier. Oh, um, yeah. My game glitched there. So one bird would do an animation while the other bird was completely frozen. And then the other bird would do its animation when it obviously it was meant to be doing both at the same time. Oh, okay. And then similarly, near the end, there's one scene where one brother is clearly meant to be helping the other brother. So they're meant to be standing side by side. But on my game... They came in from different sides of the screen. So, like, the older oh. one came from the left-hand side of the screen and the younger one came from the right-hand side of the screen. And it just didn't make any <laughs> sense. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I hope that the upcoming uh, the HD remaster version sort of fixes a few of these problems. Hmm. Um, but I just thought it was worth, just worth noting um, that I had like, yeah. a few issues like that. Yeah, I think the only one I can remember was um, when we meet up with a third party uh, later on. They're, when they were running through the snow, that their kind of uh, footprints seem to be appearing sort of out of sync with the action. Oh. Yes, they yeah. were. Yes, I had that. Yeah, as well, there were actually, a few yeah. little performance issues I had. I uh, noticed a little bit of texture pop in where it would change between scenes. Didn't have. Well, I'd like I'd like to blame the kind of collision physics for my terrible flying. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that's, that's genuinely. I had I had an issue where where the 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 hang glider went for a, a, a crashing animation when I was just in the middle of nowhere. I, I, um, and then and then the next attempt, I went through exactly the same, way and it was fine. So yeah, I definitely had a I had a few issues. With yeah. So anyone who is going to play, it, I think if I hope I've got this right now after trying it so many times, it's not like the first. Um, I guess what you'd think is like the, the the cliff edge. It's not like the first area that you would imagine that you can land on. It's like the next oh, one, yeah. isn't it? Off to, off to the right. Yeah, end. that flying section. So you help this eccentric scientist and he lets you steal his glider. And you have to navigate. It's the two brothers on either side and you have to shift their weight to steer through this, this section, through a cave between rocks and then land on this giant castle and that's where it introduces one of my favorite puzzle mechanics in the entire game when they take the rope off the crashed glider and uh, tie each other together and just like do like a, bungee jumps yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you do you navigate through this section by swinging between points isn't it's not so much like a puzzle it's more of just like a moment of like there's a couple of moments you have to work out where you've got to be positioned but most of it's just getting a rhythm and swinging between points and i really like that section i'm terrified of heights <laughs> I mean, there's a few moments where you can see you get a glimpse of just how high up they are yeah uh, did you guys what did you guys think of this whole section with the the giant castle it's not fun yeah the whole rope section for me was was generally my favorite bit of the game <laughs> yeah um like you said, you have to suspend your disbelief slightly in that you, this younger brother can somehow hold on while you're yeah. swinging around Without like a nutter. Without his arms out the sockets. Um, and plus they can hold on indefinitely with no effect to this. But that's, that's, you know, it's not that sort of game. Yeah, like you said, there's some wonderful like swinging moments where you have to, you, you don't necessarily have to stand on the highest point. You have to be in the right position just to swing one brother over across a little chasm to the next holding point so you can swing the younger brother around. And they also... At the end as well, there's a nice little moment where the brothers are separated on two sides of like a collapsing wooden floor with a gap in the middle. So they're still tied by the rope, so they have to keep fairly close to each other. But at the same time, they've got to keep them get keep moving to to avoid all the, um, the yeah the wood collapsing behind them. This is the first time you realise that there are uh, giants in the game, and that whole section where you get down into into this giant castle, and then you find a I don't know what it is a griffin. Yeah, I mean, or a creature kind of like stalled on that, yeah. Yeah, but with an owl's face, badly injured and and trapped in a cage. 
you go through a little puzzle to release it. It takes you on its way. And uh, did any of you think for a moment that you were going to have to try and fly the Griffin? Because <laughs> yeah, the first time through, and I had problems with the glider section. I saw that. I thought, oh god, not again. That, that was the first moment in the game uh, where, at the end of the Griffin's flight, where I got genuinely upset. Where it lands, it sort of like crash lands on the on a, a little patch of land, and then obviously dies from its injuries. Oh, and and the the kind of uh, exhaustion of carrying yeah. you, like so you feel yeah. like you know partly responsible yeah. in, in a way. Yeah, and there's like a little moment where you can move straight on from there, or you can turn back and interact uh, if you pull both the triggers, and the, and the brothers will stand there and pay their respects for the Griffin. Was do you reckon this was sort of like teeing you up for? some of the moments that were going to come later on. Well, I think, think there's, there's, you know, there's quite a few, isn't there? Like we've kind of alluded to some um, previously, the fact that they, mm. they helped the man bury the, his family. And then again, it's like a very similar kind of animation, isn't it? Where they, they put their hands together and bow their heads and kind of like pay their respects. So that yeah. they're kind of the circle of life aspect of it, you know, the, the, you know, life and death and sort of separation and uh, kind of like somehow, realizing that you've still got to go on regardless of, of what you've kind of left behind um there, i guess it's like the resilience you know through life experience of, yeah. of going on and uh yeah there are things that i think you don't have to necessarily unpick and you can just play through the game for these challenging puzzles and the interesting environment but um, you know they are little just little subtle nuances that i think will, will work for some and, and be passed over by others yeah i think it's like moments like these and the cutscene at the very beginning kind of just remind the player as they're going through that yes this is like a a crazy fantastical journey but death is very much important in this story so that it kind of doesn't so much set you up for what's to come later on but it softens the blow a little bit i guess whoever becomes the main protagonist becomes more equipped i think to kind of deal with it because it's like you know, I don't know. In 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 real life, um, you know, obviously, Pete, you you've got children. I mean, have they have you had to kind of approach that subject through either the loss of a pet or or, or you know or something like that? You know, you know, it's almost like gearing you up mm. in some respects. Like obviously, you've got a, a a family member that we're aware has passed away before the events of the story unfold, and now you're getting a sort of although they did they didn't know this animal, this creature for very long. There was definite kinship there, yeah. and it's a, I guess it's for the the younger brother. It's kind of like absorbing this, isn't it? It's, it's becoming ever more um, aware, of, and as the story goes on, and he has to do kind of like more himself. He emerges as the main protagonist. I guess, like in some kind of narrative character characterization, we're meant to assume that he somehow absorbed that, and it's, it gives him the, the the resolve to carry on. Yeah, and and pretty soon after that moment, it does it does try and lift your spirits again with another one of my favourite moments in the game, where you push open a gate and grab a couple of uh, mountain goats. <laughs> and uh, go on this crazy wild ride across uh, across the side of a mountain. Um, and but, thankfully, that controls most of that for you. Yes, <laughs> yes. Otherwise, <laughs> that would have been a nightmare. Yeah. But, um, like you, you see, that the two brothers are absolutely—they're they're having so much fun during this section, and it and it warms your spirits after having quite a few like sad moments preceding it. But then, not long after that, you come to like one of the the most visually memorable areas of the game yeah. this valley of dead giants you got any thoughts on what had happened in this in this area so ha- having said that the rope section previously was my sort of my favorite section in terms of from a gameplay perspective like you said the valley of the giants was definitely my favorite from a visual uh, point and yeah. from a sort of a level design 
there's, there's clearly been a battle with these sort of, with these uh, giants that are decked out in sort of Viking armor. Um, there's arrows and axes and and various large pieces of weaponry lying around still. Um, there's there's li- literal rivers of blood flowing down oh. the, down the mountain. Um, it's horrific as well as fascinating. Yeah, and it's it's tempered, lovely, isn't it? With because um, you know it's like so kind of like the viscera is so harrowing, and yeah. be, like really gruesome. But you have to kind of like navigate your way through it, and you do that um, <laughs> kind of like inadvertently causing more injury <sighs> onto like the the cadavers, don't you? Like a, I think one of the axes, like you have to push an axe, and it ends up chopping someone's like limb off or yeah. something like that. So you to clear a path. So it, it's yeah. like that kind of dark humor, isn't it? That that, that kind of works to yeah. kind of alleviate some of the kind of horror that you see. It's such a, a stark difference in in look from the rest of the game. Like when you first go into that area, it's like you, you think, did I just wander into God of War or something? Because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen like rivers of blood like that since God of War. Oh, walking into it, I felt like um, we've seen that film Willow. Yeah, the little brownies. The little kids, you know, I felt like one of those. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Willow, Willow sense, and then the tone such a change once again because like you say you're coming through the guards and now you're coming through this area with loads of dead giants and you're having to twist arrows use axes um, yeah. put bolts into heads just to get through this bit and I was thinking hold on up to this point you could actually have anyone play this game and then you come to this level or this part of the game and you're going well would I let I mean some of you as dads, would you let your son or daughter play this bit? Because all of a sudden, you're like, oh, axes, arrows. It's such a change. And you're like, mm, maybe not. It's quite yeah. like a God of War-esque. But it, I think it, it sort of ties in with the general feel that it has of being like a classic European fairy tale. I mean, those old stories, are they've always been pretty dark. I mean, like uh, Hansel and Gretel, a couple of, of kids go wandering out in the woods, get kidnapped by an old woman who wants to eat them, so they burn her alive in her own oven. They've always been quite dark, and it's just about the it's about the handling, isn't it? So of course, yeah, there's a lot of adult things, or there's good mm. sort of um, sort of question starts that you might be able to engage in a in a conversation. You know, like some of the best inverted commas childhood films have got like dark material in them mm. and they, they do approach themes of life and death and I think this game in a in some form would would allow a kind of platform to have that discussion if you want and again in terms of like the more kind of graphic scenes here it is tempered with um, a, a gallows humour so mm. um, whether that makes it more suitable or not I mean I think obviously is a, a, what is the rating it's, it's a 12 I would imagine is that is that what this rating of the game is or do they I've not do got, it like that I'm not sure to be honest oh, no, I was just going to say it's a pay- 16. 16. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see the reasons why. I think that, that a younger player would find the emotional aspects more more harrowing than, you know, the perceived kind of viscera. Because like uh, you were saying about kind of like traditional um, fairy tales, you know, they folk storytelling yeah. as an old tradition knew even back then that we all love to be scared at any age you know <laughs> this is like the the closest thing I, th- I can think of in a video game to watership down <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know if i'd go that far that really is <laughs> <laughs> yeah that film still upsets me <laughs> yeah. that is gruesome that is bloody but a classic of yeah. his type <laughs> there's another couple of like of nice sort of character building between the brothers in this section where one point they 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 scream in literal disgust as they have to 
to have no choice but to walk through yeah. Yeah, um, a river bloody, of blood. through blood essentially. And then later on, as we mentioned, there's they have to shoot a giant crossbow to literally headshot a body out of the way. Mm. And after they they briefly argue with each other, <laughs> yeah. sort of, what the frick are we doing? But the brothers, the older brothers, all said, "Well, you know, we have to go this way. We didn't, you know." Again, sorry, I'm saying all this like I I know what they're saying, but it's all it's all gestured and uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it does well. that without ever you know giving you speech you can understand it conveys the, 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 the even when when they're um they're separated and there's not near when you're not near anything you can interact and you just press one of the triggers if you press the one for the little brother he just kind of like i think he calls to his brother but doesn't really do anything else the older brother will always point in the direction he's supposed to be going he is all the way through that uh whenever the brother protests the younger brother protests at something the older brother is like we have to push on yeah so after the uh, the valley of the of the the giants, you come to well, you start to see it as you're going through. You can see them down below. There is some ritual going on down at the bottom of the valley, and as you you get further down, you find a a group of weird uh, people, uh, regular sized people, not giants, um, wearing robes and hoods, uh, being led in chant by a guy. Uh, and behind them there is a, a woman tied to a, a stone post. You have to figure out little puzzles to, to work out how to rescue her. Uh, I think even in that section, the, the younger brother is insisting that they stop and the older brother wants to push on. Yeah, yeah. What did you guys think of that section? It's all like a bit Temple of Doom, isn't it? It all, it all suddenly got a bit Temple yeah. of Doom there. And the, the, um, the, the solution for the puzzle is like, you know, yeah. absolutely abhorrent. But yeah. way, so kind of really ingenious as well at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, so you find like a little logo of um, a bloody stick man with another bloody stick man standing on its shoulder, and you figure out just stand in these two waterfalls of blood, get covered in blood, and then put the younger brother on the older brother's shoulder and go and pretend to be the god uh, and rescue this woman. The section straight after that, I believe, is the is the boat section. Is that correct? Yeah, that was another nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of control, that was definitely because it was. It's almost completely counterintuitive. Don't you end up having to like push the sticks almost in the opposite direction? Is that right? I mean, I, I definitely it took me a long time to actually work out how to navigate in that. In the end, I think I just largely, predominantly, just used one of the brothers. Yeah, to kind of like to turn it around um, to steer. I felt the older brother. If you did both at the same time. He would always move faster than we do. Yeah, yeah. That's it's very, yeah. it's a very subtle. Yeah, like you said, of, yeah. of just just saying. Yeah, he's he's stronger, so the boat always turns slightly more. Yeah, to that the, was a nice to touch. Right. It, you you might not notice it because it is quite subtle. Mm. Yeah, again, it speaks to the fact that the brother is the, is the stronger of the two, and the the younger one still has a way to go. I didn't have so much for trouble with navigating. It's when you come to the section just after that with the whales. Yeah, yeah, with the kind of like giant flying orcas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they would tell you'd see this 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 crazy fantasy looking killer whale do a dive, and then as you go through, they would telegraph when they were going to jump out with uh, a spew of bubbles. Yeah. And I seemed to end up in the middle of that every time and couldn't get out quick enough. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that section, it's because they they can move fast, don't they? Like when they're about to obviously elevate out of the water, but yeah. that, that boat is like stuck in treacle. It just cannot move quickly <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> but it's um it's it's the same as the the flying section before. It can be frustrating if you're still not completely comfortable with the control scheme. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, it's quite a short section, so. You, you know, oh, and it, to, it obviously gives variety. Like yeah. you know, I understand why they've put it in there to break up 
the uh, the style of play, of course. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, the next section uh, the brothers get to is a fortified town, I guess. And you get down there and there's like what looks like an army um, outside that's been frozen solid. You're with the, the woman that you rescued from the uh, the weird cult earlier. You don't control her. She uh, is controlled by the AI. But she does help out yeah. a couple of times with the puzzles. Yeah, I mean, she she's steering us, isn't she? She seems yeah. to be directing us. So we, we're taken to yeah. assume that she's sort of repaying their uh, courage by saying, I know how to lead you to where you need to go yeah. to. Or- so, uh, but then when, once you get inside the town, um, you notice that all the people inside the town are also frozen solid. Um, obviously there had been, oh, there was about to be some epic battle there and then something happened and everyone got frozen solid and there's an invisible Yeti, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looked like it had Yeti feet. <laughs> this section was another one where it was a little bit, um, at odds with the, the rest of the game, um, at, least, uh, at least for me. Um, what did you guys think of it? I, I enjoyed it. It's quite different. I enjoyed being doing the little pauses oh, behind yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah. mimicking their postures. Oh, yeah. Also, I did like yeah, that. mimicking their postures. Yeah, so that's quite you know ingenious way to um, hide behind you know these from the monster itself. So I enjoyed that section. Yeah, the thing I the problem I had with it was I I, I don't know why did the monster need to be invisible. I think it's more about it's one of these sort of shorter areas that's more highly intensive. You know, it's like a, mm. it's almost like you're saying when you first discover the dog that chases you, you're, you're almost having to kind of like instinctively just run for it and hope for the best. And then I think there was like a crumbling floor in another section that's similar. It, yeah. it, here, I just felt like I was rushing like to get to safety or to get to the exit. And I guess mm. it just kind of raises the pulse a little bit. I suppose, it answers, I suppose it answers the question of why you're in the middle of a battle, why all these people were taken by surprise. Yeah. Because they can't <laughs> see the monster. Yeah. Well, again, I don't even know if it's like another army, isn't it, that's, yeah. that's done that? Because don't you blow a horn? Don't you end up, like, summoning the other army or something? I can't remember that there was a... No, that was part of the land of the giants. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's... Sorry, I'm, I'm taking this from Wikipedia, so you have to take this with a pinch of salt. There is a precedent... For in Scandinavian folklore, for like invisible creatures. Okay. Yeah. I think I think it's called Nisse. I'm not. I won't go into it. But from a game perspective, it just feels like another unique boss challenge. You know, in the sort of how to get around this boss without directly attacking it. Well, they're obviously like these elusive creatures, aren't they? That we don't even know whether they like the abominable snowman. Now, maybe it just adds into like the mythos that the reason why that you know they, they've not been never caught or seen is that they they can be able to be invisible. Yeah. True. I just wanted to touch on one thing. So, to, so like I said, to get into this fortified town, when you come to it, the, the drawbridge is up and you can't get in. So there's a little scene where you you basically work out, oh, you need to use a catapult in the classic sort of movie moment where you just <laughs> catapult yourself into the town. For Robin Hood, um, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But the, the, the catapult is up, up a hill. And like you said, there's, there's this big army of frozen snowmen on the slope of the hill. And you push the, the catapult down the hill and it destroys, all, like, you know, most of these snowmen I actually felt really guilty after that I was kind of like yeah I, even though they were clearly dead I, I, because it was it, like to me it seemed like some sort of magic spell or something probably felt like oh maybe they could have been saved but nope not now I just crushed all of them <laughs> my cowboy. sorry guys you just in the way um, yeah I actually I don't know why I just so, uh, that bit I was be like oh oops sorry 
Good <laughs> yeah, unavoidable collateral, I guess, you know, and again, yeah. that does feed yeah. in place, you know, oh. unavoidable sort of consequences, I guess, of your actions. You yeah. can't save everyone, you know. Well, at this point, you've been chopping giant corpses' legs off and shooting them in the head. With <laughs> yeah, like that that last, I guess. <laughs> yeah, why not crush a few yeah. frozen people? <laughs> but, uh, I suppose it was an interesting play on the Greek mythos of Medusa, wasn't it? Yeah. You stone, you got this monster yeah. turned twice. You have to get through this level and you just have to push <laughs> yeah. the people. <laughs> yeah, and then I suppose getting through without being seen. And and then is it the, do we get that bit where the younger brother sort of says, we need to go this way, and then like the older brother said, isn't there like a romantic interlude? Is it shortly after this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it yeah. it starts to happen yeah. a, a subtly. Uh, for a while, as a, as you're going into that section, where the the interactions between this woman that you've rescued and the older brother would be increasingly, you know, giggling Tactile, and flirtatious, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, as you as when you escape the frozen town, uh, she beckons for you to follow her into a, a hole in the ground, and the younger brother say, "No, we need to push on," uh, and the younger brother wants to stay for once the roles are switched at that point yeah he's sort of you know, and there's like a, an exchange isn't there like what could you possibly want you know it's just, yeah. it, 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 that part of his life he hasn't been exposed to yet yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like so, you're kidding I'm not going anywhere at the moment <laughs> you way out here <laughs> so they follow her into the cave and you quickly discover that she is in fact a spider woman and that's brilliant I mean I, I did, yeah. was not expecting that even when you saw there's a, a lovely way they they kind of illustrate the inside the, the almost like catacombs of inside this kind of cavernous arena where you can sort of see other skeletons or figures um mm. obviously come to a, a, a sticky end and like I, I just was i still hadn't put two and two together i really wasn't expecting the whole kind of like shell of you know lord of the rings kind of moment and, and that, that had a terrific punch i really i really enjoyed that i thought it was like one of my favorite parts of the game actually i noticed playing through it again that there are there's lots of little moments that kind of signpost um when you know what's going to happen the kind of that are that are off about everything so when you first rescue her the thing that she's tied at the top the rivers of blood on uh in the bottom form a, like a round blob and then eight legs coming off it like uh the image of a, of a spider all right and then when you get to the, the frozen town and you're doing going through some of the puzzles if you watch how she moves around the level sometimes she's really acrobatic and can jump incredible distances and it's kind of subtle and it happens whilst you're controlling the two brothers so you might miss it but it's just like subtle little clues that if you know what's going to happen kind of uh, yeah that's right actually because i think when i did go back to get some of the trophies i noticed in one of the scenes where you have to control both brothers to like climb up a a snowy ledge you know where you do the kind of um you have to jump onto the sort of ledges and then you have to flick you have to let go of the trigger momentarily and hit the other button, don't you, to get them to leap up to grab yeah. onto the next one. Y- you don't actually see her climb. Like no. She's already at the top. And like at the beginning, I, I you know, I missed that first time round. But secondly, the second time round, I yeah. thought, yeah, that really stood out to me that, you know, we don't actually just instantly at the top of that cliff. How on earth did she get up so fast? Yeah. So I just want to mention, um, I have to credit um, the, the wonderful Kane and Rince podcast for bringing this to my attention. So again, this, you know, Spider Woman is does actually have again have a, a basis in Scandinavian folklore. It's called a holdra. And the holdra, I'm going to quote this from Wikipedia, is a dangerous seductress who lives in the forest. The holdra is said to lure men down into endless cave systems so that they will not be able to find their way out from, or lure them into the forest in order to secure her freedom, or sometimes to suck the life out of a man. So there is there is a precedent for <sighs> this this creature. Crazy Nordic um, spider succubus. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Yes. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, no, it's, I just thought it was a, a brilliant kind of reveal. And then obviously it all go, the whole screen goes black, doesn't it? And then, yeah. uh, you know, we, we come back to yeah. and we're kind of uh, in, enclosed, aren't we? In, in um, you know, like a spider's web. And then you get that, we have to reinforce that swinging mechanism, don't we, to kind of like break free. And then I guess that's kind of another kind of boss battle, as it were. And that, I guess, because that's slightly repetitive, it, and it also feels incredibly cruel. <laughs> crawling away yes. I know yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite gratuitous the fact you have to pull off all of her individual legs yeah it's almost but it's almost childlike you know certain types of children you know yeah. evil yeah. children or little naughty children will take one of will take a spider and pull off its legs <laughs> yeah, it, it did feel like that and it played to that almost mm. like yeah alright she's tried to kill me and eat me this is maybe going a bit too much especially when I got to the last two I was like you can't do anything come on <laughs> you can't walk <laughs> yeah yeah she, yeah she starts hobbling around very slowly yeah. <laughs> yeah. at that point you could just be like should we just leave <laughs> yeah so I don't I don't know if anyone else has played Limbo there's obviously very yes. reminiscence of the, the big spider in that game where similarly you have to avoid it and pull its legs off yeah one by one <laughs> I must say personally I'm no man points for me but I'm petrified of spiders so I was freaking out <laughs> during this thing like I said I mentioned before there's no direct combat in the game this is probably the closest it comes to in that you've got to use the younger brother who's still in traps uh, encasing the ball of web to sort of barrel into the yeah, into her to right. knock her yeah. over because she's already um, incapacitated the older brother that's right yeah Yes, and like I said, it's not like there's a there's a health bar in it, but like you said, there's obviously a, a, a finite number of legs to pull yeah. off. Um, so yeah, you just gradually you just keep doing that, um, and she gradually gets slower and slower. Hobbling Did you, anyone see how long it would take until the older brother died? I don't know. Is it sort of installed that sense of urgency that you really do have to knock this spider woman off your brother? Yeah. When you were, but I was wondering how long you had before it actually went. Yeah, well, yeah, I think dead. like Pete, I was in a state of being <laughs> terrified, so I wanted it almost over. <laughs> so I was really quickly, quick bashing again, quick bashing again run oh no you're going back to pull off another leg and then obviously that that leads to a lot of fatal injury uh you know suffered by the older brother as he I, I mean i think it is as he goes to pull off the last leg or the second to last leg yeah yeah so you uh slowly pull her legs off one by one um and her parting gift is um i guess was that her one of her venomous fangs it looked like it had green on the end of it yeah, I believe. I think I, I, think yeah. I took that. I yeah. took the intention. It's meant to be poisonous. Yeah. So she stabs the um, the older brother in the stomach, and that's the point where the younger brother really steps up and becomes the main character. Like the the, the well, never been not the main character. You know what I mean? He's Takes the, charge yeah, of the exactly. situation. Yeah. Yeah. You have to help the uh, the older brother um, with his arm over your shoulder towards the tree which is luckily very close to where this spider lived until he collapses and then you journey up the tree and capture the 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 i don't know what it would be from the tree of life is it water i don't know the mythology no um, some sort of healing water, yeah I'm not sure. uh, so he gets some healing water from the uh, the tree of life goes back down to his brother but unfortunately too late so how did this moment hit you guys uh well i i, I don't think i I didn't know whether he was going to die or not. I mean, obviously, I could work out that he was poisoned, that he was fatally injured, but I, I still don't think I realised he was going to literally die as I went off and did this other activity, although it is kind of signposted in a way because yeah. they do seem to have some kind of exchange that the brother yeah. doesn't want to leave, like the younger brother, sorry, doesn't want to leave, you know, his elder sibling's side, but they're, you know, he, he kind of is coerced into doing that and he, and from that moment on really in the game, he's more of an individual, isn't it? Because it's like one of the first times in the game that you are just controlling one character. Mm. So that kind of idea of separation and him suddenly... 
being bestowed with a great agency is, is kind of conveyed through the gameplay, as it were. Did any of you find yourselves still moving both sticks? I, well, I think I just was disorientated that there's yeah. only like one character on the screen. At this point, I didn't. We'll we'll get to the upcoming scene. Ah, there's, yeah. there's another scene coming up where I did. I initially moved the left stick and he, I was thinking, why is, why is nothing happening? Oh, shit. Mm. Yeah, there's no brother here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, found it. Because you're controlling the younger brother, so it wasn't really a problem, but using the movement was all right with it. I thought it's such a shame in this this particular area that you had to you felt such an urgency to rush to the top of the tree, get this this water, and, and travel back down because that was one of the most visually stunning areas in the entire game. Like the the tree itself and the blossom all over it was was stunning. I thought. Yeah, it reminded me of Avatar. You know. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. That that type of thing where uh, I mean, looking at it. This tree of life is in Nordic mythology. Yeah, yeah, it's but, um, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, visually, it did remind me of Avatar. It came across, and you rush up, and then you rush back down, and you know, your big bro's dead. And it didn't really hit at that point. No, you know, yeah, for me. Yeah, that's, I had a. It didn't hit me as much as a moment that comes shortly afterwards. So yeah, you get back to the bottom of the tree and, and find the older brother dead. Um, and the next yeah. scene is well, after the younger brother has has wept, is you have to yeah. bury him. Yeah, and yes. the fact that that the younger brother moves so slowly. Yeah, and, yeah. So and his body language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, head down, shoulders slumped. Uh, you know sobbing um, yeah, and there's no ellipsis is there like there's no like oh you start it and then somehow the game oh. finishes it for you or it cuts out the actual pushing of the dirt because they've they've deliberately paced that out yeah um, you've got to do it, the whole yeah, thing yeah. <laughs> which is yeah exactly the point so this one I, you know there was obviously a sad thing but it hadn't affected me too much i was like oh he, he's died so then it, it then shows a brief cutscene which shows the young brother digging a grave with his bare hands um and i thought like I don't know why. I just thought oh, I was going to show a cutscene of him burying the brother. Mm. It's just that point where suddenly the cutscene ends and it reverts control back to you. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to make me drag the body into the grave, aren't yeah. they? And I, it just got me. It really got me that bit. Mm. Uh, the fact that I'm now going to have to go over there, press the interact button to drag. And like um, like Mark said, he's exhausted at this point. He's he's done. You know, He's emotionally distraught. He's, he's literally had to dig a big-ass grave with just his bare hands. He's just like shuffling, shuffling along. I'm just like, yeah, that really got. Yeah, I had tears in my eyes mm. at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wasn't moved to tears, but I I think what it was is that again, what I think the game achieved for me and what I really kind of like respect it for is that it's through like the actual physical actions. So although there was like a, a moment where he has like a reverie where he sees the brother alive, doesn't he? Um, kind of like in a, in sort of like a, a dream sequence, as it were. Um, although you could say, oh, that's like the emotional high moment. It was more that the relationship between the two was already conveyed for me through like a, a tangible, the method of actually controlling them to through the game and the fact that like you're saying it's because you have to actually go through the action of dragging the body and, and, and going through that act is almost what I just really, really reinforced what I thought the kind of the emotional narrative aspect they were trying to, like the intangible aspects of the story that they were trying to convey to you. It all just fit together so well, I thought. Yeah, and that, that comes to a pinnacle right after that section where 
So after you finish this section where you bury the, the older brother, a griffin comes along. Is this another griffin? Difficult because you, you, they look dead. Yeah. When we last saw him. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, like you said, like the, the previous griffin, he, for all intents, looked completely dead. But it's just the fact that this griffin greets you very warmly, gives you yeah. like what, like a, 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 basically a hug with his giant wings. And it's just like, I, it Ooh. felt like, to me, that made it feel like it was the same griffin. I actually had a little look into this on the internet to see what other people were thinking. And someone mentioned that when you're doing the swinging section in the, the giant's tower, when you're swinging between those statues one of them has an, a nest on top of it people thought maybe there were two griffins and this griffin knows you because you rescued the other one uh, not right. sure because you can hear I think you're right actually you can hear there, there's like a sound cue isn't there when you are doing that swinging that you can you can hear a bird, but you, I didn't ever yeah. see it that part of the game. Yeah, mm. this is the section that got me the most. Is right after that when the griffin drops you off and you're on the the, the on the shore right by the house. Oh yeah, because it takes you through all the landscapes, doesn't yeah. it? Through that kind of operatic yeah. cutscene, as it were. Yeah, through all yeah, the land you go back traversed. through all the areas you've yeah. been through, um, and then um, you you start to, to traverse your way back to the house and. This is the moment that got me uh, the most was when you get to the water and he goes to go into the water and you realize he can't swim without his older brother. Um, the left side of the controller starts yeah. vibrating. You instinctively pull the trigger and suddenly he's, it's almost like he's channeling his older brother's strength and suddenly he can, he can get through this and he can, he has to push himself to get through it and learn to swim right then and there. Um, and it's like, it's such a genius way. I've never played a game like this where it conveys a story through the through the way that the game controls. Yeah, yeah. I think, I can't remember what publication it was that did the review, and he said, like, uh, the guy who did it said, he's never been moved to tears before by pulling a trigger on a controller. And it's that moment where you pull the left trigger. Um, and it happens a couple of times after that as well. How did that moment hit you guys? I, mean, I think you've, you've summed up exactly like the essence of what I'm trying to articulate in the fact that there is another scene where I think the mother comes back to him in his, in his visions as it were, and kind of encourages him onwards uh, and to keep going. And although that that's not kind of more traditional storytelling and in a film, that would be an emotional moment. Mm. I think like you're saying the, the, the real kind of gravitas of the piece is yeah. when it's, th- it's through the mechanics of the, the game controls. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean that, that is like a unique um, hook that was that I felt was really well utilized in the game that it became more than just a gimmick it actually it gave a layer of meaning that the, the experience otherwise wouldn't have had it's upsetting obviously that the older brothers died it was kind of like a proud yeah, moment that he's yeah, got over yeah. his fear yeah. he obviously he's cha- you know he's, he's li- quite literally channeling his older brother's strength through himself yeah this is this is my own sort of personal projection like I personally can't swim so I did think it was a little odd that like I took it that the young girl couldn't swim either. So I did find it a bit odd that he's like an expert front crawler. Um, with no, no yeah. problems whatsoever. But it, I think it's like his development in the ocean was like paralyzed at the moment that he lost his mum. Yeah. So he probably could swim originally. But you're right. I know what you're saying. It does. It feels a little bit rushed, doesn't it? That whole actual, um, from the, the, the kind of shell I'm going to call her encounter, the whole game itself actually does feel like it's on fast forward to get to like, the end. Like, exactly like you said, I think it's actually meant to be that he could always swim. He's just, he's just now, he just the incident with his mother made him scared of water as opposed to, yeah, he can actually swim. Yeah, but then he does manage to challenge super strength to be able to jump up tall cliffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and pull the lever for the, the moving like uh, platform later as well. For me, that moment was where he felt the loss, like mm. I said. And then, because I've played through the game, and 
yeah, you, you get the relationship and you see it developing through the signs and through the, through the movements of the two brothers and how you control them. It wasn't certain things you can understand and it moves you emotionally. And yeah, I felt it, but it was only until then I realised how subtle the game was with its emotions that it does, that, that you felt that loss of the brother at that moment. And uh, I spent ages, I was like, what the hell do I do? <laughs> yeah, I was like, looking around, just like going, come on, you know, you're not doing anything, can you go this way to do right? It was only like, all right, wait a minute, I'll, I'll use the left, you know, movement that it actually worked. And I was like, yeah. Like we said, it's, it's great. Like a, a modern game would have, you know, you would have standing there and you would have said, Press L, you know, pull L two to pull L two and R two to progress or something like that. It, no, it doesn't tell you that. You, yeah. you can be standing on the seashore wondering what, you know, what what to do. Um, but like, like I said, it's just it's sort of some subtle things like the, the slight vibration on the oh. left hand side. Yeah, it's it's very subtle and it's very well done, in my opinion. So the younger brother manages to to overcome his fears. Um, to, to get through this final section of the game and make it back to the house it stumbles in and collapses uh, in front, right inside the door after this exhausting journey who manages to get back in time to save his father the final scene uh, before the credits was a was another moment that, that, that got me as well was the, the father and the son and the younger brother standing in front of the two graves of the older brother and the mother and then they stand there in silence and then Right at the end, the, the father just breaks down in tears. Uh, like the fact that his, you've got this almost a sense that he was, that um, his younger son, his older son had given his life to save his. And the, that was another moment that got the, the tears were welling up there as well, I've got to say. It's shown in a few cutscenes between the levels as well that, like, it's shown when, even though he's clear, the father, even though he's clearly very ill. He's he's wanting to go after the sons. He doesn't want them to go on. on he, he didn't want them to leave and go on this journey for you know. So obviously for him to find out this news that yes they were successful, but at the cost of his older son's life. Yeah, it must have been pretty mm. horrific. Yeah, and it, it seems to then kind of like focus much more in on the younger brother to complete his kind of like character arc. So it's almost like their positions within the the family dynamic have changed, hasn't it? Because it's like see him. It's a it's a mimicking of the opening sequence, isn't it? Whereas he was crying in front of his mother's grave, and he hadn't come to terms with the loss. He isn't crying, is he? In, in at the ending, he's the one who's standing there yeah. uh, stoically, I guess. I mean, I'm not. We can argue whether that's like progress or not emotionally but like it's, it's almost as if like it's meant to be that he's become the head of the family he's not he's taken on the position yeah. not only of the father in a way but also of course of the elder brother and yeah. it's it's kind of like through that experience of loss that he, he's you know somehow matured in a sense i mean not that it's belittling the loss in any way but i think that the, the game is trying to give you a, a sense of sort of hope at the end although it's obviously incredibly in, in, in very tragic circumstances. Yeah, but it was also kind of uh, of sad because there is throughout the throughout the, the game, the younger brother was always the one who seemed to have the better sense of humour and was always the more the lively of the two. Yeah, yeah. And then to see him complete, seemingly completely devoid of joy, was yeah. also quite upsetting as well. Yeah, no, that that's a a good interpretation of it. Actually, yeah, I hadn't considered that, but you're right. Thinking back, that's that has more. 
that makes more sense and is kind of like more more impactful. It gives it another kind of layer. He's almost yeah, like I said, he's almost like lost that innocence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's gone through the world and seen the world isn't innocent. You know, he's done horrific things to get to that, to get that um, to the tree of life. He's, you know, he's suffered and suffered that loss, and but he's had a lot, a lot of fun, and he's almost grieved. He has grieved. He grieves for his mother at the start. Within the game, he grieves for his brother, and then it's almost like maybe expecting that the dad maybe hasn't grieved at all. You know, maybe for the mother and now and, and then for the brother, but it's too much for him. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, another lesson in life, you know, nothing comes cheap. Yeah. He's been able to save the father, but, you know, obviously it's still a massive kind of like personal cost. Yeah. Um, it, it sounds like incredibly dour and kind of like downbeat <laughs> way, way to end a game. Um, but, uh, and of course, you know, it is in many respects, but I don't know, it does give it some kind of like resolution and you do feel, um, although I could have played on longer and I would have loved to have played another game like this if they're, you know, if they're, dynamic was employed in a different narrative it, it does feel like it comes to a, a natural ending as it were yeah it does um it's a it's a very s- sad ending there isn't it isn't it's it's not a game that leaves you smiling despite all that i didn't find myself smiling um when thinking of the game until a while after i'd played it the first the first time when the impact of what happened had kind of worn away a little bit and then you start to think back to the more light-hearted moments and then you start to smile a bit but the initial the way that the game leaves you is emotionally broken, <laughs> <laughs> but not short changed. Like I, I, no. I didn't, I, did, I felt oh. very satisfied in, in a lot of respects, and I, I don't think this like game length sort of criticism holds much weight for me. Like I mean, no. don't get me wrong, I like a short game, I like a short film, but sometimes you know they, they can be disposable and throwaway. Whereas I, I really you know felt that I'd played through a meaningful experience that I, I kind of greatly enjoyed in a lot of ways. In, innovative in the control, but also you know quite profound in its intention. Although I think that that aspect, a lot of it is you can take or leave it. I don't think you have to buy into the narrative. Um, you can play it purely just as as a puzzle game but i think obviously you're doing a disservice because so much more can come from it if if that part clicks for you and i you know who's to say if it will for everyone but you know i was really you know thankful that you kind of nominated and i finally kind of like made the time to play it because it's certainly up although i don't play many games it's certainly up there with uh, one of the best titles i've played that are new to me this year yeah i'd say it's um like i mentioned earlier it, it's kind of similar to journey in a way but instead of being sort of like co-op with some anonymous person playing somewhere else in the world you're playing co-op with yourself but it's still like that a short but epic feeling journey with a a, a bittersweet ending i think it's just it's one of those those uh, very unique games that you couldn't really get away with copying have you guys got any criticisms or any any issues you had with the game uh, other than the ones we've we've mentioned with a, a few odd tonal moments in terms of like the game itself no i i really enjoyed it i felt it was the right length i felt it didn't overstay its welcome it told its story well i don't think there's any need for a sequel mm. and apart from the the technical issues i've mentioned previously so at the moment the 360 or the pc version are much better than the ps3 version yeah so like we like we mentioned i did notice a few instances of like you know texture popping graphical tearing uh juddery frame rates but none of that really takes away from you know the enjoyment i got from the game or the narrative impact of the story so no i i thoroughly enjoyed it I, it comes highly recommended for me yeah i'd, I'd very much recommend it as well and like i said 
said earlier, it's it's soon going to be available on pretty much every platform except for uh, Nintendo, unfortunately. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to work on Android, iOS, and Windows Phone. That'll be interesting. I wonder. I don't know. Would you just like tap on them and drag them across the screen? I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, I mean, I think like holding the controller is sort of integral with what we've been kind of saying throughout the yeah. discussion. So even if you're going to play it on Steam, I think you're going to need a 360 controller. Um, or, or that's how I'd like to play it anyway. Yeah, you have to play it with a controller. And preferably one with a rumble pack or whatever. Rumble pack? Jesus, N64 days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this a game that you would recommend to uh, Laps Games then? I would say absolutely 100% because the length of time lends itself. I mean, I completed it over like three sittings uh, and it certainly didn't outstate its welcome like we've said previously. Mm. And the difficulty curve is is like really manageable, like in the sense that the controls can be off-putting at first, but you, you very soon uh, adapt to them. And the, and the puzzles, whilst intricate, are not impossible. Yeah. There's like a couple of moments where, you know, I wasn't entirely sure what to do, but I was able to get through the game from start to finish without too much hassle and it's, it's very compelling so that that's certainly why i would uh, recommend it yeah definitely well thanks guys for uh joining me to uh, for this uh, roundtable discussion of, of brothers um it seems like everybody enjoyed it uh and i hope uh, everybody in the community enjoys it if you haven't picked it up already i'd highly recommend it um or wait for the uh the ps4 and xbox one versions to come out because they will hopefully be bug free but all i have to say is thank you for for joining me would you like to say goodbye guys cheers everyone uh, yeah it's a great game pick it up thanks mark nice speak to all you guys see you later yep thanks for recommending it again mark pleasure to play and uh, great talking to you all this evening take care cheers guys catch you next time for another game on our uh, playlist section which we'll have introduced shortly So next month's playlist selection is by Andy P. It's the fourth in the Call of Juarez series. It's Gunslinger. Set in a Kansas saloon in 1910, your Silas Greaves recounting all his historic adventures with some of the biggest names in the Wild West. This is a first-person shooter that's available on PC, Xbox 360 and PS3. This isn't an open world game, so the gameplay itself lasts about five hours. We hope you can join us next month and see how we did. And if you've got a copy yourself, why not join in on the chat? We omitted to include any listener feedback and shout-outs on June's episode in light of the extended length of that show due to the inclusion of the bonus content. So, on behalf of all the members of Laps Gamer Radio, I'd like to thank each and every one of you that's contacted us, both the good and the bad, on the launch of LGR. As the saying goes, you know who you are. And uh, we have endeavoured to acknowledge and in response to any emails, tweets or Facebook comments and such like uh, on an individual basis. As is probably very evident, we're not professionals, we're not experts, some of us, myself included, have very limited knowledge of games or the industry which supports it. Some of us have little to no experience in podcasting. You know, we all struggle with the effort required to carve out any free time to play games uh, and record a podcast, no matter how infrequent. We're, you know, just trying to gather a bunch of like-minded strangers around a mic once in a while to encourage and share a passion for gaming. So for the overwhelming majority of the feedback we've received so far to be positive and to demonstrate 
your understanding and encouragement for LGR and that's really meant an awful lot to us all so we thank you for listening and we really look forward to hearing more from any laps gamers or like-minded folk out there in the future before I go I do just want to feature two specific pieces of feedback we received uh, our first listener email and our first listener review on iTunes so this is an email we got from Colm Sheridan he congratulates us on our first podcast and he was explaining that he had a recent lapse in gaming himself so that he could relate to what we were doing and he says not knowing what game to play even though I've got over 400 games in my collection is madness then I played Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time uh, that was for a last save loaded game cast so that tells you how long ago it was that I got this email he's put I found my gaming mojo again as the saying goes and I enjoyed Ocarina of Time so much I'm currently playing through Wind Waker HD Colm I hope you made it to the end of that game I, I hear it's an absolutely fantastic uh, remaster of a you know the classic Zelda game he's put I'm also up for some online gaming I have an Xbox One and a Wii U for some Mario Kart 8 I personally would love to get online and play Mario Kart 8 with you Colm um, and he's got I've also got a PS3 but not so much these days I've stayed well away from games that take 100 hour plus to complete like yourselves I don't have the time to play games for 8 hours a day like my teenage son has <laughs> yeah I suppose all men get envious of their children in some ways some for their youth <laughs> and others for the sake that they've got so much free time to play games Colm so it's, it's a really good point you raise he's put I love your sections I look forward to hearing more from you and your community just wondering if you're planning on a weekly podcast or monthly regards Colm you know obviously thanks so much for listening to our launch show Colm and for your kind words and for emailing us uh, we're always really keen to hear how other gamers lapsed or active are managing their experiences of playing video games definitely be up for playing online and you know it's brilliant to have you as part of the LGR community although it's still very early days for us and, and the podcast um, you know we do hope to try to gather enough people together to, to put out like a monthly show it's absolutely definitely not going to be uh, weekly I'm afraid it's just time commitments that we've already got mainly it's just like the scheduling of trying to get people together it's often so difficult so if we can get a show out a month then we'll all be happy here I think at LGR and there may be some occasions where that doesn't happen uh, and obviously we understand and appreciate that there's loads of podcasts to listen to so if the fact that we're very sporadic is a deal breaker for some then you know so be it really the, the podcast is like the way of supporting our main focus which is just getting us to encourage each other to play games again so it's the actual you know playing of the games that's kind of like our primary aim really to encourage people to give the hobby a try again even if it's on a very infrequent basis and like I say that you know the, the corresponding then podcast episodes are a nice way for us to make it feel a bit more of a community activity where we get to talk to one another really and make friends so really appreciate your email best wishes fella and I hope you will stay in touch and then we were kind enough to be given a iTunes review by Jonas Maximus and he's put a promising start five stars I've only listened to the first episode technically episode zero and I'm loving what I'm hearing look forward to seeing where this show goes in the future I'm not a lapsed gamer but I can definitely identify with some of the opinions of these players good luck everyone so obviously you know that was we're hugely indebted to Jonas for uh, you know taking the time to leave us an iTunes review and it's really interesting that as an active gamer he still found something that he could relate to you know in what we were trying to do and say and I, I guess whilst in my mind as a as probably one of the more lapsed members of the, the of the LGR team I am really interested in hearing from other lapsed gamers and how they're 
trying to fit gaming as a hobby back into their their lives alongside like their other interests and, and you know just family and work commitments i'm acutely aware of how much myself i can learn though from people that are far more knowledgeable about games and play a lot more actively in the hobby uh, than myself so it, it's great to know that hopefully because we've got like a range of different people on the different episodes some that do actively play games on a daily basis and others that are very sporadic like myself that um, at least there's kind of like a point of entry and a, and a, a shared middle ground and uh, you know we want to learn and hear from you know other members of the LGR team as well as the listeners so I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and for leaving us a review John has launched his own new uh, solo podcast and it is uh, fantastically called Single Player Side Quest so I've got it downloaded and again it could be that there's been quite a few episodes added to that since um, we first got this feedback but I'm really looking forward to you know hearing it and we wish him every success for that new venture so that single player side quest and it's John Cranston uh, I believe I'm just calling him Jonas Maximus via his uh, iTunes ID If you would like to contact the LGR team about getting involved in our community, sharing your own stories of being a lapsed gamer or recently returning to games, perhaps appearing on the podcast or offering feedback on any aspect of our show, you can do so by sending an email or better still an mp3 to lapsedgamerradio at gmail.com. So that's lapsedgamerradio, all one word, at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Lapsed Gamer. If you'd like to follow and engage with uh, any of the team members there, you can also find our page on Facebook simply by searching for Lapsed Gamer Radio. And likewise, you can join our public Steam group. Uh, I believe you just search for Lapsed Gamer Radio and then I'll filter the results to groups and you'll be able to find us there. If you're listening to us, you've obviously already found us, but uh, for reference, if helpful, the main ways you can listen to our episodes are via our Podbean RSS feed, which is lapsgamerradio.podbean.com, and you could also subscribe to Laps Gamer Radio on iTunes. Needless to say, any reviews you could leave for us are extremely appreciated and you know, enormously helpful for our little community to flourish. From what I understand... LGR is on other platforms such as YouTube and SoundCloud etc but if there's any method you'd prefer for the podcast to be published on let us know and we'll do our best to accommodate your request uh, if you'd like to take part in LGR Gamer Nights uh, I know Rocket League and Destiny are popular games amongst uh, you know our members but I'm still itching myself to play Mario Kart 8 online so if you have a look in the show notes on the mp3 file you should be able to find our game tags and you can feel free to add us and so on behalf behalf of all the LGR team thanks for listening to show 02 we hope to be back in August and until then best of luck finding the time as we will try to to pick up the controllers once again uh, we'd love to hear how your gaming progress is going or have input that you'd like to give us for any of our segments or aspects of the episodes so finally goodbye and farewell detecting live verify location good evening Tonight has been a wonderful experiment of human contact, a symbiotic relationship between man and machine and you. The human brain is capable of millions of connections. Each one is a memory, an event. Tonight shall be remembered not by one, but by thousands of these relationships. 
As you leave here tonight, close your eyes and travel back to here, to now. And always remember that this was one moment. You were not alone. And you felt something that thousands of others have felt. And it was... That's Gamer Radio.